between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this, Conan, destined to wear the jeweled crown of Aquilonia upon a troubled brow. It is I, his chronicler, who alone can tell thee of his saga. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. I'm Crom. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Now, if you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of March 2022, and uh, we don't really have a theme this month. Yeah, we are marching through March. Just marching through March. Yeah, we're just trying to get to the end of the month, goddammit. So there's no theme this month. Uh, but we have a very special pick uh, today. Uh, but in joining us in our review for today, uh, we are joined by uh, Kyle's brother, Nick. How's it going, Nick? Uh, I'm doing great. Doing great. Thanks for the invite. Uh, back by unpopular demand. Appreciate it. <laughs> Off to a strong start, Nick. Love it. <laughs> Yeah, Trevor put a poll out on Instagram and the responses just were, fuck you. We're not, don't bring back Nick. <laughs> like, fuck that guy. Get him out of there. <laughs> He's fucking worthless. He talks about Mortal Kombat for three hours at a time. <laughs> uh, but our pick for today uh, is brought to you by both Kyle and Nick. Uh, so, Kyle, Nick, uh, which of you would care to share which movie we'll be talking about today? Elder. <laughs> yeah so uh i'm the one that chose this and uh, they kind of <laughs> i kind of got cornered uh here for a second because trevor's like nick you chose conan nick's like i didn't choose conan kyle chose conan like <laughs> hey guys uh <laughs> i chose conan the barbarian because i wanted to do it this month but i invited nick to do this episode because i knew he would be crushed if i talked about conan the barbarian without him that is true that's very true yeah, folks at home, like to pull back the curtain a little bit, uh, March was actually tentatively scheduled to be kind of like a sword and sorcery or a weapons and warriors month or a medieval times <laughs> month, if you will. Um, but in light of, you know, certain situations happening across the globe and uh, just like spirits not being as high as they were at the beginning of the month, uh, we've decided to take it easy and just like do some casual reviews for this month as evidenced by last week's uh, coffee talk episode. Uh, mm -hmm. So in case you haven't deduced it by now, uh, Conan the Barbarian as directed by John Milius and starring one Arnold Schwarzenegger from 1982 is our pick for today's review. And uh, it is of course brought to you by both Kyle and Nick who uh, from what I gather, uh, this movie was kind of a big fucking deal to the, to the both of you uh, growing up. Is that the case? I would say, yeah. 
uh, I don't remember the age of what we watched it, Kyle, but it was definitely entirely Tyler, way too young. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. The good thing is I can replay it in my mind, scene by scene. Like I know exactly what happens. I know you said that you have some extra details on some of the things that we might have missed as youngsters. Curious. Uh, yeah. But this was this was kind of like my playground movie. What about you? Uh, yeah, so this we watched this. I had to be about eight years old, maybe nine. So you were about five or six when you watched this. Way, way too young. Holy smokes. <laughs> I, I forget that whenever I was watching something and I said that I'm too young, I'm like, Nick was right there. He was right there watching it with me. Um, yeah, no, this is this was like uh, may have been our first Arnold movie, uh, Terminator yeah. 2. But I think this was our first Arnold movie. Uh, this, our grandfather had this on VHS. He had this one and The Destroyer, Destroyer. which is not even half as violent or or graphic <laughs> like not even cl- close to graphic there are so many boobs in this movie <laughs> it is it is boobtastic yeah. uh, i forgot how many boobs were in this movie uh john millies is a maniac uh, <laughs> but the reason why i we chose this i feel like this is an important film for uh for this like swords and warriors kind of month because this set a new tone i think i don't have any proof uh, but this is just a theory. I'm like, I think this is the film that influenced our con- what we consider this type of film now, like like Game of Thrones. Gla- Gladiator owes something to this movie because this movie is violent and it gets it right. Yeah, uh, it wasn't the first uh, sword and sorcery film uh, from the decade of the 80s, which is is well known for for having quite a few fantasy uh, adventure films um, of varying degrees of quality, mind you. Um, the earliest one I know of, like, like well-known ones anyway, was like Hawk the Slayer. But I think Jack Palance was is has a prominent role in that one. I've seen some clips of his performance. Hawk, it's it's yeah. spectacular. <laughs> Jack Palance as a fucking evil knight, not a cowboy, Ooh. not a cowboy. <laughs> I cannot, Kyle, <laughs> cannot picture him as a knight. No, I mean, I mean, I feel like this was the first of the like. We're not just like like having somebody stabbed on the side and there's no blood and they just kind of fall oh, yeah. down. I'm talking like, this is juicy deaths. In this yeah. Movie. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right about that. I, I like to think of it as like uh, low magic fantasy with balls, like spelled <laughs> B-A-W-L-S balls. Uh, Cause it's like the king of the neck beards. <laughs> I mean, John Milius, his fingerprints are all over this thing. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of our discussion is probably going to find its way back to him as we go mm. through this movie. But yeah, you are right. I, I do think there's like a healthy bit of nostalgia for the particular flavor of medieval fantasy that this film represents, because like a lot of like as evidenced by Conan the Destroyer, um, just just the next film in the series, even it has a much lighter tone. Yeah, it's a lot goofier. Oh. It's more kid friendly. Grace even, Jones, yeah. even though uh, Cohen the Destroyer is incredibly <laughs> bloody towards the very end, for the mo- for the majority of it, it's actually kind of comical. There's like yeah. a fucking pro wrestling match in the middle of the movie where it's supposed to be him versus a wizard. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. A wizard, yeah, I forgot yeah, about in the, the in the House of Glass. Yes, it's li- yes. it's literally Rocky Balboa versus Thunderlips, but Ooh. in a high, in a fantasy setting. Um, <laughs> but this movie in particular carries a, a certain vibe to it that I want to say a, a, was formative uh, for a lot of maybe contemporary filmmakers because it, it does have a self seriousness that a lot of other fantasy films from the era really don't have. 
Um, and it extends to the bloodletting for sure, because uh, there there are prosthetics, uh, there are squibs built into people's wardrobes uh, in a film with no gunfire, like no firearms whatsoever. Uh, they this is delightful violence. Is how I like to think of it. Like they, you could tell they had some fun doing this shit. <laughs> Um, but as for myself, like uh, this movie was, and I, I'm going to steal a phrase uh, from Nick actually pre-recording. Um, this was a playground movie for me, and uh, what that means in shorthand essentially is like this is a movie that was whispered about uh, among people who maybe hadn't seen it yet, but had seen like the box art at the at the video store or whatever. And I'm I miss this about the physical media age uh that this these playground films where all you had to work from was the film's reputation uh false rumors and box art um so all of us like as kids going into this movie had had this imagined vision of what it was before we got to it in my case i was always told by my parents that oh you can't watch conan like you can watch some r-rated movies but you can't watch conan i had i never had any idea why the same goes for things like The Crow, where it's like, I didn't have any clue what The Crow was, but it 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 occupied a space on our, our VHS shelf. And I was like, that looks intimidating as hell. It's called The Fucking Crow. It's enigmatic and kind of spooky. And it just had this, this aura about it. And so, but when I finally got around to watching this film, it ended up being a lot brighter and more friendly than I thought it was going to be uh, because the image I had in my head was just like, fucking bleak gnarly crazy violent um but it wasn't that but like i think nick had said before we started recording th- this was a playground film for him this was one that maybe was hyped up before he got to that got to it is that right i remember uh asking kids like on the playground like have you guys seen conan the barbarian you know picture this and uh, they're like no 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 I remember the only details I gave were anytime somebody gets hit with a sword, there's like a gallon of blood that spews out. (laughs) That was the most important part. I didn't even mention the nudity, although there is a lot (laughs) (laughs) mostly centered on the blood. (laughs) So even Cinemax is like, that's a lot of nudity, dude. That's that's pretty bad. Okay. So I misunderstood. So you were that motherfucker that was spreading the rumors. <laughs> oh, he wasn't spreading rumors. He was speaking truth. He was saying oh. what was happening in these movies. So one of the movies that I always wanted to watch when it when it came out, I thought it looked awesome. Obviously, it looked awesome was Spawn. And our parents were like, you are absolutely not watching that film. And I'm like, but why? It's a superhero movie. And their reasons, I understand why they didn't want us to watch it. But when I got to it, I'm like, this is it. This isn't a big deal. Yeah, there's a lot of dams and hells in that movie for sure. Yeah, so th- there yeah. are other reasons, I'm sure. But um, yeah, uh, playground movies are, are a thing I could do a whole month on, honestly, because I, I really do. I have a lot of nostalgia for that era. Like uh, Bloodsport was another one for me because just that name. I didn't know a thing about it. I hadn't seen a frame of it. I didn't even have a cover art to work with. Just the fucking title and the fact that it was R rated. I would I just. I built it up in my head as this mythic experience that when I finally got around to seeing this, I was like, oh, this is fucking amazing, but it's it's not that. It's not what I imagined, not at all. <laughs> um, but I, I guess a, a good place to start with this one being as we just covered our, our background with the film itself is the character of Conan. Uh, do either of you have any connection to, to this character beyond these movies? Nah, not really. Uh, no. Is that... He doesn't talk too much. Like he's, 
He's his characterization in the film. He's just uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I don't really connect with him as a character. He's not really not a big deal to me. Okay, well, I mean, that's fine. It, the movie is more of an experience than than like a hardcore character study or anything like that. But the reason I ask is because it's a he's a not necessarily a literary figure, being as it came from like pulpy stories and whatnot, for like published yeah. mostly in magazines and whatnot. But the the origins of the character are in in writing. Uh, from Robert E. Howard was the author who conceived of the character. Um, I have never actually read Robert E. Howard's original text. Uh, it is pulpy stuff, so it's not exactly like highbrow like literature or anything like that. But um, I have read quite a few Conan comics um, and mm. maybe sampled a few video games over the years, of which there have been many, uh, including one on the PS3 that I think uh, the main character was voiced by Ron Perlman, who would end up being uh, his father, in the 2011 version of the of the oh. film, oh. yeah, <laughs> that one. <laughs> but yeah, I have, I do have several Conan comics under my belt, and I actually, I really enjoyed them. In fact, Kyle, I might offer to lend them to you at some point because there was one series in particular called King Conan um, that was had a it had a brilliant framing device where it was a a Conan of advanced age who had already founded his own kingdom. Uh, imparting the tales of his youth to a scribe so it's all told in retrospect um it has kind of like a a little bit of an unreliable narrator kind of vibe to it um mm. really beautiful art though and a really awesome concept that i think if they were to eventually get around to making a arnold schwarzenegger conan trilogy which has been rumored uh since 1982 in fact it was conceived as a trilogy by by the writer and the director of this film um, I think that would be the approach is have Arnold as an older Conan telling the telling a story of his youth and then have flashbacks of a younger actor actually doing the heavy lifting of the, the physical aspects of the character. Yeah, the problem with that is that Arnold's strong suit is not narration. I don't know if he would be. There's very... a reason he's not the narrator of this film, Kyle. <laughs> There's a reason why he doesn't talk for quite a long time in, in this movie. He doesn't talk much in this movie. No, he does not. And I think it's not until like, what, like the gladiator sequence or something where he finally speaks. It's it's after he yeah, after his yeah, uh, after gladiator he becomes montage. the champion or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it sounds like I'm the only one who really has a connection to the character beyond beyond this particular version of it but um the other uh two elephants in the room of course are our director john Milius and mm. uh, arnold schwarzenegger uh we have i think all talked about arnold at one time or another in fact uh, we talked uh, commando a while back that was a mm. that was a grand old time um but john Milius, uh, kyle you you said in your own words john Milius is a madman <laughs> he's a madman because like i said there i i don't i didn't i didn't really watch i've never really seen any other movies from this era like from this era and this type but i've seen like um what is that fucking uh clash of the titans Jeez, oh, oh there we go oh okay oh. So like Clash of the Titans, that's like late 60s, early 70s, somewhere around. I think that, that was 1980 on the nose. It was in 1980. Yeah. Like I watched that and I'm like, this isn't like this is nothing like there's there's yeah. no blood or anything. It's sickening. Um, <laughs> but, but like I've just always thought like I've always kind of just thought back when I see like uh, movies uh, like later movies like this. I'm just like Braveheart doesn't even touch this. Like this is I mean, Braveheart's pretty brutal, but like 
this is like it's boobs, gore, boobs, gore, boobs, gore, boobs, gore, boobs and gore, boobs, gore. <laughs> but you're always saying that Predator 2 is the worst. So what's worse than after rewatching this? Oh, I'm, Predator I'm, I'm talking Predator 2 is, I think, probably the like in your face, goriest movie I've seen uh, from the 90s. <laughs> uh i'm just saying like this this style of filmmaking like this 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 kind of storytelling like swords and wizards and shit like that uh they just it hasn't gotten as bloody and i it's kind of hard to top it because it's pretty pretty awesome it's pretty awesome i would i would argue that there's probably gorier and more like vile presentations of violence from even this era but um for this genre you're absolutely right. It, it's very rare for this genre to have this type of bloodletting. I, let me let me rephrase. I think there's something very important with this kind of a budget. Ah, I think that's yeah, an it important is a, part. It is a very large scale film. Um, yeah, this is, is this is a big yeah. Now, I think that's why too. This had Italian money back yeah. back in it. Dino De Laurentiis money back oh. in it. I'm um, saying Milius is a maniac because uh, I feel like this movie would have been ten times more gory. And way more boob filled. He that was a PG orgy that he put in that movie. I feel like if he if he had full race, he would have it would have been way different. It would have been more. way worse. I more. Mean, <laughs> more. 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 <laughs> to quote Agent Smith in the Matrix Reloaded, just more. <laughs> the way Sven Oli Thorson goes, which is top five, one of my favorite movie deaths. Yeah, like. And that is fucking brutal. And he thought of that. And they're like, no, 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 no. That stays. Like he fought for that. Yeah, that almost has yeah. like Wes Craven vibes to it. Cause I, I don't know how well versed you are in his filmography, but like especially early on, he always had a fascination with booby traps. Like they found that he found ways to insert booby traps into the damnedest of places. Like even Nightmare on Elm Street has a sequence where one of the teens is reading a handbook on how to craft booby traps in a suburban environment. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the way the way uh, Sven Oli Thorson makes his exit is like probably like top five deaths in an army yeah. movie. Honestly, it's very creative. It's absolutely brutal. It's, it even has a nice aftermath to it. That's very like mm. uh, dramatic. Yep. Um, but yeah, John Milius is a madman. Um, he's absolutely brilliant, though, in his own way. Um, and he's one of the more fascinating personalities um, in Hollywood. Uh, especially in this era, he he was of course he was kind of like the uh, the Samuel Hung uh, to George Lucas's Jackie Chan, where he was he was Big Brother. Uh, they both, as far as I understand, were contemporaries. Well, I think he's they a little be- older. They were besties. I don't know about that, but uh, they they were classmates, as far as I understand. So Spielberg, mm-hmm. Lucas, and Milius, they all were classmates at some point. I think uh, Milius though was the the elder statesman. And uh, also, he just has that vibe about him. There's an absolutely awesome documentary about him just called Milius. And uh, his his chief role in Hollywood throughout his filmography is largely that of a writer. And I was mm-hmm. telling Kyle this when he was uh, leaving my apartment last time I saw him, that um, he was kind of held on retainer by uh, Sean Connery as like his designated speechwriter. Like he wouldn't get screenplay writing credits on all these movies, but Sean Connery would just be like, I have a speech to tell in the middle of this film. John, could you punch the shot, please? <laughs> <laughs> so like every time Sean Connery has a monologue, like in the seventies through the eighties, it's usually John Milius's writing that, it, that punches up his dialogue. So that was, 
that was kind of his role is he would either write the whole screenplay or he'd be brought in by some actor, some egocentric actor that would really want to have a juicy scene for themselves. So this Sean movie- Connery with an ego. No, <laughs> I mean, I you can't, you can't so. have your hairline go to shit that early in your life and be that fucking handsome without, without having some insecurities, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like, like it, they go hand in hand, unfortunately, but, um, but yeah, John Milius is generally thought of as a writer, but he does have directing credits. And uh, oftentimes he's compared to Teddy Roosevelt. Like apparently he idolized Teddy Roosevelt and he did have kind of a like an, an individualist streak. Like and it translates into the presentation of Conan in this film for sure. Like I've always thought of John Milius as a quote, a warrior poet, because like his passion was surfing. Uh, he was exceedingly learned like like he was he was a good student he, he's often thought of as a very solid writer um but his passion is surfing and guns <laughs> so like very very curious element in hollywood like i'm sure he pissed off a lot of people throughout his career such that his career definitely suffered for it um but his his work is readily identifiable like he has a very specific flavor that yeah uh, I don't think it is. I don't think it's saying too too harsh words to call him a madman. Um, last thing I'll say about Milius, though, is that unfortunately he did, I think, have a stroke uh, a while mm. back, and it was it was so tragic because uh, this this guy who was known for his writing lost the ability to write and speak for the most part. Uh, as far as I last heard, he's on the road to recovery, um, but that was just like one of you know one of those examples of like great tragedy in the life of a person who did some pretty cool shit along the way. Um, but he's on the road to recovery. So that's cool. Um, directed red Dawn also, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, no stretch there. It's like, ah, could have told you that. <laughs> it's a uh, pretty, pretty relevant right now. Uh, the, the... <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's go <laughs> ahead and cut that out. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Kyle, Nick, which one of you is going to give us a plot summary for Conan the Barbarian? Ooh. Kyle, I'm going to defer to you. Okay, I'm going to do the IMDb. You want me to do the IMDb reading, or do you want me to just come from the heart? I you want, want you to come from the heart, Kyle. You want, you want the playground one? I'll give you the playground one. Okay, go, go for, for it. it I like that. I like that. Do it. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Arnold starts off. Child, slave, warrior, gladiator, then kills the guy that killed his father also an orgy <laughs> that's yeah uh, a cannibal orgy a cannibal orgy to be exact that's that's new information for me tonight yeah yeah a cannibal yeah. orgy over hand soup um, <laughs> split pea hand soup <laughs> but i will counter that though nick and i will say that that sounded more like the pitch for this movie <laughs> but with way with way more tits way Sold. more tits Sold out. Take the money. Go. See, that's what you have to throw in there. If you read the room, like you read the facial expressions of the room, it's like I don't know, but it's like, oh, but way more tits. <laughs> well, with way more tits. <laughs> we um, can always pad out the runtime with more tits. <laughs> I should uh, name our our heavy hitters from the cast real quick. Um, we got Arnold Schwarzenegger playing uh, Conan. Uh, James Earl Jones playing Thulsa Doom, which is an awesome villain name, by yeah. the way. Uh, Max von Sydow. Uh, I. He gets a credit. He's in the movie for two minutes uh, as King Osric. Uh, Sandal Bergman plays Valeria. 
And then the other heavy hitters are heavy hitters are uh, Subutai is played by Jerry Lopez. Not expecting that. Um, <laughs> the narrator slash wizard is Mako. Just one word like share, but Mako. And I think that's pretty much our heavy hitters. Uh, yeah, there's there's a couple of really fun cameos in there as well. Um, but yeah, that that's the heavy hitters. And uh, Kyle, right out the gate, I'm going to throw something your way that maybe you weren't aware of, but uh, but part of your brain probably was. Um, Sandal Bergman uh, was scouted uh, by John Milius um, via a viewing of All That Jazz, uh, Ooh, which is a really? film I know you quite like. I do like All That Jazz. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, she was part of the cast of that film, and that's where he spotted her. Interesting. She's an awesome female, like a uh, female character. Like she's, I mean, half naked throughout the film, but uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, but uh, she's pretty awesome in this. Yeah. For 1982 standards, um, she's very independent. She's very capable. She's represented as a warrior woman. Like she's mm-hmm. never looking to anyone else to solve any of her problems. This is fairly progressive, honestly. Um, I don't yeah. think as an actress, she's very good with her dialogue. Um, but she does have a dance background, so she's pretty handy with a sword. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe a little too handy, as far as I understood, uh, listening to the director's commentary. <laughs> but oh. but uh, yeah, she does have a presence to her. But yeah, I, I, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, that's a movie that Kyle really likes. And I don't re- I don't recall you mentioning that you you knew her from that. So I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't notice her from that. Okay, well, uh, I will say that uh, Jerry Lopez apparently, uh, I mean, he had to audition and whatnot, but he he's a personal friend of John Milius, a surfing buddy ah, and like a gotcha. champion surfer or something. Uh, I did hear that his dialogue was um, uh, dubbed by a different performer. Um, oh, really? Almost in its entirety, as far as I understand. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know that until I read up on it uh, just today. But I'm I'm not shocked at all. Like I, I could I could have told you that. But um, yeah. Anyway, uh, plot summary is very basic. So Nick already gave us that. Uh, folks, you want to jump right in then? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So yeah. our our movie opens uh, spectacularly. I'll just say that much. Yeah. Um, this would of course be the um the opening monologue which i i'm sorry guys i gotta i gotta skip the line and i just gotta i have to i I gotta do this because this this is a tone setter like like as far as like spectacular openings go war drums like like dull sounds of thunder and then this between the time when the oceans (laughs) drank atlantis and the rise of the sons of arius there was an age undreamed of. And unto this, Conan, destined to wear the jeweled crown of Aquilonia upon a troubled brow. It is I, his chronicler, who alone can tell thee of his saga. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Bum, 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 bum. It's it is it is up there with like best fucking openings. Ever. It's pretty uh, gangster, yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> fucking yes, that, dude, it's pretty great. Um, so this was interesting. So uh, we end up we we meet uh Conan with his dad, and his dad's just like people are shit. Fucking swords are awesome, bro. Um, just basically, saying, this kid who plays young Conan looks like Nev Campbell. He does. Uh, he it looks does. exactly like Nev Campbell. He does. Uh, I thought it threw me off, especially when his mom's about to get decapitated. I'm like, damn, it's like it's 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 Cindy from Scream. Exactly. Um, but yeah, his dad's just like he's got a weird relationship with his dad. because He watches his dad get eaten by dogs, get killed by dogs. And he just doesn't 
his mom doesn't do anything. They just sit there and watch. But well, I'm I'm jumping ahead. But yeah, yeah. he's talking to <laughs> he's talking to his dad. He's like, swords are the best. People suck. And then uh, we get their little their little winter wonderland um, village that they live in. Yeah. Uh- the main thing I'd like to point out here in this opening is um, the actual first images we get or like all the all that monologue that I spouted there is done over just like black screen for the most part. But our opening scene is actually uh, the crafting of a sword. Mm. Um, yeah. It's the it's the forging of a sword um, and it's it's beautifully shot. It's mostly in shadow and it's just allowing the natural light of the molten metal to to light the scene. Apparently, this was shot by the production designer, not the director, uh, Ron Cobb, who Kyle uh, will know as the production designer of Ridley Scott's Alien uh, from basically this was his next gig after that film. So he was riding super fucking high. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And he showed the fuck up for this movie, too. Um, But apparently he shot the scene. So Milius uh, credited him with that. But um, this opening uh, dialogue between father and son, though, I think is... uh, (laughs) Uh, I think this is where Milius really shines through. It is worth noting. He didn't write this film. Oliver Stone, of all people, wrote this film. Um, So that was actually a big surprise to me because this sounds like it came directly from John Milius' soul. But basically, this is father telling young Conan. um, By the way, father is a uh, played by a bodybuilder who apparently Arnold uh, knew. Oh, that's okay. I was wondering who that was. Yeah, apparently I forget his name. It was like William something or other. But uh, apparently, this guy was a bodybuilder of some of some note uh, that Arnold Schwarzenegger was actually familiar with. Um, so it was kind of cute to have him playing his dad. Um, but this whole monologue is about um, man's relationship to the gods, and he's saying like there are gods in the sky and there are gods on the earth, and your god, son, is Krom, who lives within the bowels of the earth. Um, and this is where the concept of the, the riddle of steel is imparted to him. And he's basically the basically this is him. This is very this is like very, I don't know, uh, individualist, almost like very American uh, thinking here, where it's like there there is no God or force of nature on this earth that you can trust more than your gun. I mean, sword. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> we've got some we've got some hippie commentary coming up no absolutely no doubt. yeah i never picked up on that as a kid i'm like oh this is those those damn hippies yeah <laughs> well, well throw down your swords and follow this guy with the flowers and it's really important to know this did come out in 1982 and this is the same director as red dawn uh and we were kind of you know in some in some shit at the time. So there were thoughts that were being projected onto the screen that were, that were probably uh, wholeheartedly agreed with at this particular point in history. Red Dawn is like the ultimate, um, like gun owning American wet dream. It's just like, just fucking invade. Give me, just, just invade us. I dare you. Just give, give me an excuse. Just give, give me, me an a excuse. fucking excuse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we get our village and uh, I really like this shot of, um, we get the the horses that like the bad guys basically coming into the village. Uh, his uh, um, Arnold's uh, buddy Franco Colombo was uh, this guy I believe that jumps up. That that looks like a wildling basically. But I love this shot of him like just standing up on the rock and then just the, the horses coming behind him and then they just pillage this thing. <laughs> yeah, that was a really important cameo to note is that this was Arnold's like lifelong buddy and competitor, uh, like uh, Franco Colombo. Um, and it was funny because I remember first seeing this movie as a kid and being like, oh, he's not going to come back. 
Like, like, I mean, he has such a presence and he's fucking enormous. And then it's like, oh, no, he's just here for two shots and then he's out of the movie. He probably just did as a favor to Arnold. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this the sequence um, is largely wordless, um, almost entirely wordless. Is, I believe it is wordless. In fact, it is wordless. There's no there's no dialogue for the first, say, 12 minutes of the movie. Yeah. And this is the point where I'm, gonna... I'm sorry, not the first 12 after the 12 minutes after that talk with his dad. Yeah, uh, this is the point where I'm going to pose the question to both of you is um, music. Uh, Kyle Kyle is is known to be a person that doesn't like oftentimes you think of it like as a plus if you if the music doesn't make its presence known to you. Is that yeah? generally with movies like I don't want to notice it. it. I should be immersed into the scene and that should just kind of be adding to it. This is different. You can't not notice the music in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any any thoughts, Nick? Like any was, feelings on these on the soundtrack for this one? I was just gonna say it. I can't remember the last time I watched this movie. It's been years, but I feel like I can play the sounds very just like vividly in my mind of when the mom is decapitated. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, is it? It's going pretty crazy. It's like oh, like that. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a low choir kind of like yeah. droning. And, yeah, they're they're not making a spectacle of themselves, but they're they're yeah, it, they're it's there. apparent throughout the scene. They're in the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're here. They clocked then, in. They're getting paid. They in. <laughs> yeah. Setting up Pulse of Doom. I'm like, man, this is good. <laughs> yeah, uh, the score for this movie was conceived of as kind of an opera and. As such, I've listened to the score in isolation about as many times as I have the score for Batman Returns. Um, this is up there with one of my very favorite scores of all time. Uh, it's it's uh, done by Basil Polidorus, who also apparently was a classmate of John Milius's and uh, a composer that is sorely missed in Hollywood. I, I miss his work so much. It, it, to, to use the phrase I used earlier, his music had balls. Not B-A-L-L-S, B-A-W-L-S, balls. He often had very triumphant, masculine, overpowering themes uh, throughout his filmography. And uh, he gave us so many gifts, like uh, his con- his uh, contributions to Paul Verhoeven's uh, Hollywood output, like be it RoboCop or Starship Troopers, fantastic scores, even Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. <laughs> he gave us a wonderful score for that. Um, truly amazing stuff. And uh, he passed away a while ago, so I've, I've been missing him a lot. But this score is fucking amazing. It's one of his yeah. very best. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like this. I like the stare down. So, yeah, Conan's dad's trying to stop them. He knocks a few guys down. They're like, got him. And then they slice him up a little bit, and then the dogs just come after him. And the like, they just sit there, like like American Gothic, just staring and watching their dad die, like just getting eaten by dogs. Yeah, I had a question about this for both of you, actually. Um, so two two pronged question. So one is um, thoughts on the way Conan's father is killed, because that's a very unceremonious, unglamorous way to go. Yep. It's very impersonal, is what I'm getting at. Like, how how do you guys feel about that? I'm actually uh, kind of glad you brought that up because I remember as a kid, a little bit younger than Kyle, and I was like, what happened? I mean, he was just getting munched on by dogs. Surely he's okay, right? I did not think that he was dead at that point. I really didn't. I mean, I thought he was just like, okay, he's just kind of getting thrown around. He'll get back up. And then they just don't go back to him. So I'm like, oh, I guess I guess he's gone. So well, 
the heavy death is the next one. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. but he's unfazed by both of them. Maybe it's just a hard, maybe it was a harder life back then, you know. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe there's there's some sort of messaging that's meant to be imparted to us through the way his dad's killed, where it's just like it's it's of no consequence to the people doing the killing. So it's oh. like in in a yeah. standard Hollywood production, he would have some spectacular death, or he'd do like a a self sacrifice or something. We'd have lots of like close ups and slow motion photography of his ultimate demise. But no, he he gets injured and then just dragged into the back of a hut by a couple of dogs, and that that's kind of it. Um, but yeah, he does go down swinging. Um, Isn't that the greater insult? Is just like he's not even given like a glorious death. It's just like we cut him open a couple times and the dogs got after him. Like that's that sucks. Well, twelve years down the road, we'd have Raúl Julia giving us the one of the most fantastic villain lines in cinematic history in a decent movie, Street Fighter. Just like it's like the day that Bison uh, invaded your village was the most important day of your life. To me, it was Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. And then there's just uh James Earl Jones. Uh casting is brilliant. Like, apparently he was like a last minute uh he was a last minute casting because he was a big theater guy at the time. I guess he was booked up with theater stuff. But yeah, they just have like a stare a stare off, and then he just like turns around and chops her head off while she's just standing there holding her hand. Yeah, this was a curious moment because this is kind of where like we start to see that John Milius has a, a really good eye for uh, I mean, obviously, he has the right people working under him, but his his movie, this movie has a, a very solid look to it. It's very well edited for the most part. Like the flow of the action is never is never out of sorts, I guess. Um, but I, I'm not sure if he's the best director of actors. Obviously, he's a very talented writer, but in terms of like conveying proper intention and emotionality to his actors, like painting a picture of what they're supposed to be conveying with the movements that they're doing. I don't know that he's the very best at it because there's a lot of instances of people doing things very deliberately, but the expression on their face tells me they probably don't know why they're being told to do that. <laughs> there's a scene that lives rent free in my brain. It's their sex scene. It's so goofy. It's one of the goofiest things I've seen uh, where they're just like, we'll get to it. Never mind. I'm sorry. We'll get to it. We'll get to well, it. I mean, the example that comes to mind here is like when the village is being invaded by Thulsa Doom and his raiders and whatnot. Conan's mom, like she's like thrashing around, and then the, like the cut lasts a couple seconds too long, and she just kind of stands there staring off into space while her yeah. husband and all the other villagers are scrambling and grabbing whatever weapons. She's just like, Durr. she looks like a fembot. She 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 emotes like a fembot. Yes, very much so. And then what's more, when uh when the his Conan's father's been killed and whatnot, um, we have our our left and our right hand to Thulsa Doom. As portrayed by Kyle, do you want to let the folks at home know uh, who our very special uh, guest villain is? Uh, Sven Oli Thorson, with the most screen time that I think he's gotten. Maybe. Uh, besides <laughs> besides Abraxas, maybe. I think he's got quite a bit of screen time in that, from what I understand. Yeah, he's the chief heavy of that one. So, yeah, he's there f- from bell to bell. But this one, yeah, he he sticks around. He lingers. <laughs> but he's this is my favorite kind of Sven Oli Thorson, where he says nothing. Absolutely nothing. Well, he's he is Danish. He does have. You think Arnie has a heavy accent? Oh, you haven't heard Sven. <laughs> but he's awesome in his one line that he gets in Gladiator is pretty awesome. That yeah. accent. Yeah, yeah, it came in handy there. 
uh, he, yeah. he has a he has a booming voice modulation accompanying it. It works out there, but in most of his roles, he is known to be dubbed uh, because it, his accent is just otherworldly to most American ears. Um, and yeah, he's completely mute in this film. Okay, well, the other uh, main henchman uh, to Tulsa Doom is a uh, some guy from Texas. <laughs> yes, yeah, some guy from Te- <laughs> no. I apparently he's an ex NFL player, um, Ben Davidson. And I, one thing that was very important to John Milius during the casting process for this film was that any of the heavies in this movie, because Arnold is, you know, a famed bodybuilder, like post post career bodybuilder at this point, um, they had to go out of their way to cast giant fucking people uh, so as to give the impression that they have a chance with him. It's kind of the same phenomenon that you have with uh, casting Vernon Wells in, Com- in Commando, where it's like. Mm. Crazy, crazy counts for everything in a in a fucking fight. But he he's rocking a dad bod in that. He he looks like a fat kid on like summer pool day because he he just will not take that shirt off and he's got the chain mail. It's like he would be that kid that jumps into the pool with the shirt on. <laughs> he's dressed like Freddie Mercury, but yeah, but with dad bod. Yeah, and but the important thing to casting him was, I mean, one timing. Like the Road Warrior wasn't that long ago, but also he's very very tall. And that counts for something like on screen. He does actually look somewhat of a match for Arnold. So Ben Davidson and and Sven Oli Thorson, they're both enormous individuals in their own right. So that's a big part of why they're being uh, cast for this film. Plus Sven's Arnie's buddy. Like they've been in tons of movies together, but um, the, the blocking of Ben Davidson, like taking Conan's dad's sword and like looking down it and like checking to see if it's high quality or whatnot. It's like, he has no expression. He has no fucking clue why he's doing the pantomime of holding the sword that way. He's just doing, he's just being, he's on autopilot. He's just doing exactly what he was told. But um, this sequence here where uh, Thulsa Doom, uh, like you said, they have the stare down. This is kind of like the movie's very subtle introduction, I guess, of magic. Like, is, is that how you thought of this, Kyle? Because it's obviously some form of like hypnosis or something. I thought he was just, yeah, there was something magnetic about him, um, like cult-like. And that was kind of what they were setting up was like, this is the this is the ability he has. It's not necessarily magic. And uh, yeah, it's just his ability to influence people. Yeah. And it's shot like uh, Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> where yeah. he's staring directly into your soul. Um, but yeah, he he gives a turn and he de- he depacketates Conan's mother uh, <laughs> as he's holding her hand. And there is actually a pretty cool moment where like he's just like looking at his empty yeah. hand after she's fallen down. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of cool. It's pretty chilling, actually. Yeah, uh, this was like when we were kids and like we just saw someone get eaten by dogs and a head chopped off. And like, this is the first <laughs> 10 minutes of the movie. There's we're in. more to we're go. In. We're in. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's, let's see where it goes. <laughs> Want some popcorn? Let's get some popcorn. Let's get some popcorn. <laughs> okay. Well, where do you go from there, Kyle? Yeah. So we get the kids all. Uh, there's like fucking 15 kids. and They take them out into the middle of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings set. Uh, they've got this big. It's, it's mostly shot in Spain. Uh, then a few shots in Mexico. Um, but they, I don't know what this thing is. They're working at a mill. Nick, you t- talk. You. I was going to say, I <laughs> want to know what is the purpose of this thing? <laughs> is it know. just to weed out the weak? <laughs> it's like, attached what to is something. It for? It's some like, kind. It's generating some kind of power. Like it's being used for something. I don't know what. So it's it's milling wheat or, there gr- we go. or grinding grain. 
Uh, yeah, actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because it gives me it gives me cause to uh, to reference the director's commentary for this film, which is the first one I've ever listened to. Uh, not recently. This was like a long time ago. The first time I ever listened to a director's commentary was this one because my brother, Matt, he's told me you have to listen to this and you absolutely do because it, it's John Milius and Arnold Schwarzenegger, probably a couple of decades after the fact talking talking the movie as they're watching it and arnold has no fucking memory of what happened <laughs> and he is very clearly drinking and smoking <laughs> and there are long stretches of silence where john milius waxes poetic and spins tales of the 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 tr- like the triumph of this production and then you just hear arnold go yeah <laughs> i have yeah. no memory of this yeah it was of this you watch, do not know watch me chop his head off yeah it was, it was great it was, it was wonderful <laughs> by the way arnold schwarzenegger pronounces the word hypnosis 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 is <laughs> totally hypnosis uh, yeah then there's this like scraggly haired red-headed kid who just like uh, chains him in he's like here uh now start pushing this thing uh and then over several years arnold just keeps pushing this thing uh all terrain like just like all the all the elements uh rain uh snow and then he just turns into a beefcake and then they're just like he's beefed up enough that redheaded kid comes back as an adult and he's like you are gonna be a gladiator now and that goes <laughs> yeah. on to that he's just like that's it that's your next thing oh it's actually a very efficient from a from a filmmaking standpoint it's a very efficient way of explaining or explaining away how how conan got so fucking huge it's like apparently they they were feeding him whole cows every night or something because uh, you need the calories to build the muscle but like this was the hard work he was doing day in and day out that uh, resulted in an arnold schwarzeneggerian uh, physique um so in, within a couple of minutes of screen time and a, a really amazing music cue we get the transformation from uh, baby Nev Campbell <laughs> to Arnold Schwarzenegger. To <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I, so uh, yeah, he gets. Uh, he, he's really dumb. It's funny. Like I, he, I don't think he ever learned how to read. I'm pretty sure he didn't. Uh, and he, he's just like, hey, you sit here, and you're gonna sit across from this dude with the weird teeth. And then the next night, just people taking bets, and it's like you're you're fighting now. I want to point this fight out because it's funny. Um, Arnold's screaming throughout this fight. It's one. It's it's just ah, it's just one like ah. it's ADR. So he's not even doing this in the scene. He had to come back and do this all over. No, keep screaming. Keep, I just picture Arnold in a booth. Ah, ah. Picturing Arnold with with a with a gallon of milk. Just. <laughs> Uh, Arnold, 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 it's <laughs> you need to match the mouth again. movements, Arnold. <laughs> yeah, he ends up. I think he, I do like the movie. Gets he gets this guy's arm behind his back, like kind of twists it, and then he's just punching <laughs> his elbow down. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> 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 he's like goro almost it's not triumph it's just the noises <laughs> well one thing that's kind of cute about that scene is they do uh, they do pay attention to the detail that's like 
he doesn't actually know how to fight. He's no, just a no. big guy. <laughs> so like, like, this guy's trying to kill me. Hell, <laughs> no, even his demeanor when it starts, he's just like, oh, what? he's like, hello, friend. Oh, no. <laughs> hello, friend. <laughs> What's wrong with your teeth? <laughs> Brothers don't Hello. shake hands. Brothers got a hug. Hello, friend. Uh, no. Yeah, he's not your friend, buddy. Um, but yeah, he, he ends up beating this dude. And then he just goes on a tear of murking people. He rampages. Oh, very important to note that, um, that Thulsa Doom has a crest and it's two snakes facing each other. It's a very important thing. Yes, uh, and we do get a dedicated close-up of that of that bandard of, the, of yes. that uh, standard as he's being taken away as a child. So it's like this is the movie telling you keep this image in mind. Um, but yeah, we do get a montage of him just murking the fuck mm-hmm. out of every everyone from coast to coast. Uh, he, be, he, he basically <laughs> just oh. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> He, yeah, he becomes Tarzan boy. Um, but yeah, he's oh, you said coast to coast, and that's the song that came into my head for some reason. <laughs> but uh he he basically becomes a champion gladiator, um, and such that uh he becomes very, very valuable to his handlers, and they start actually like uh training him. Uh mm-hmm. we get the sequence where um actually like the choreographer and like the weapon master of the film is the guy with the mm-hmm. fun- the funny headdress that's teaching him how to swing a sword and stuff i love that shot of the smart arnold looking at his sword like wow yes. <laughs> i am so good at this this is my <laughs> dick yeah um <laughs> so nick i want to let you do the quote because it's probably your most favorite quote no uh, no i please, was gonna please. Look, I, no you just watched it i got i'm gonna mess it up you have to do it okay is this um, the most memorable quote that he has? More than I'll, chill? I'll I'll do this once a month. I'll just be like sitting in my uh sitting in my apartment. I'll say they're like, Conan, what is best in life? He's like, crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentation of the women. Yeah. <laughs> His delivery is great. So apparently, according to the IMDB trivia, this is um uh kind of a, a, a reiteration of a Genghis Khan quote. Um, and it's the greatest pleasure is to vanquish your enemies and chase them before you, to rob them of their wealth and see those dear to them bathed in tears, to ride their horses and to clasp to their bosom their wives and daughters. Like, that is brutal. Yeah, that's <laughs> some dark know. shit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that reads like something John Milius would read. I was going to say. Like, as yeah. he's stroking it. Or as I was going to say, <laughs> or, or when he first wakes up in the morning, but either Dude, way, he, he is hard as he's he reading was, it. He was busting nuts left and right on this production. Like, I don't oh. I, Allegedly, allegedly. Well, he, he, has an, he has an anecdote on the commentary where apparently um, he was directing from his trailer on one day. Oh, was he? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he was up to. Reading Genghis Khan and jerking it off. He's checking the dailies. Let's see what the let's see what the second second production team did. Let's see let's see how they did today. The assistant the assistant director. No, no, I got this one today. The orgies his. That, that there was no assistant director that day. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like okay, you you guys can handle the sword forging. I got the orgy. <laughs> I got the orgy. It's a pretty lame orgy, dude. Everybody's sleepy. Um, well, so, it, yeah. it looks like it was edited down. Like there is evidence. Uh, just- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, it would have been Caligula times 10. Whenever, um, whenever Arnold pops his eyes up, he goes. <gasps> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. 
He even hit, I wonder if they just nobody told him was like, all right, you're gonna go up on the other side here. Or they're gonna be kind of messing around. Just peek up. And he's like, Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> It's a lot of titties, John. Uh, <laughs> it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's terrific. I'm coming. It, it's terrific. I'm it's coming terrific. on the way to the trailer. I'm coming on the way back from the trailer. It's fantastic. I'm in heaven. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, he's uh, crushing it. And he just crushes it too much to where the guy's just like, you know what? You have won me so much money. You you get to go free now. And he's just like, all right, I'm going to go into the wilderness. Uh, and uh, the dogs. Did you read about the dogs? Uh, apparently, they were quite dangerous. Yes. So uh, apparently, from IMDb trivia and possibly from the um, the commentary, these dogs were not well trained. They were very dangerous. They bit the trainer a few times. So we get this scene of Arnold basically running to the uh, to the big stones, and he's like, he's got like six Rottweilers chasing him, and he is running. They're like, he's actually afraid when he's running. Apparently. Oh, yeah. No, he failed to make it up the stones on one take, and they Ooh. did actually get him. Like, they did bite him. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he was running with, with, with the quickness. <laughs> I was reading some of the stuff about the production. Like, Arnold did a lot of his own stunts because he's, he's too big. Like, they just couldn't get people his size, somebody his size to do some of the stunts. Uh, so, yeah, he's nearly getting, he's getting attacked by dogs, and he's having to jump off shit. I'm like, man, they just did not give a fuck back then. Yeah, no, it, it was interesting the way the production came together that way, because apparently there were a lot of in- injuries like for everybody involved. And also a lot of people were doing their own stunts, which was quite unusual for the time. Uh, Sandal Bergman, apparently similar case, they couldn't find a lady stunt performer of her proportions. Uh, so she had to do a lot of her own stuff. Apparently she got hurt, too. Um, yes. But yeah, he does get chased into this uh, underground dwelling, like a rock formation that turns into a cavern. And uh, this is a protracted sequence where uh, Conan discovers like his signature Atlantean sword, mm-hmm. um, which apparently comes from uh, one of Robert E. Howard's other characters, uh, Cole the Conqueror, uh, who takes place in the same like continuity as Conan, but like thousands of years prior to Conan, essentially. I read that this uh, this the movie Conan more mirrors that story. Conan in the actual stories would isn't quite like this character. Like it's kind of a mix match. Yeah, that's a common complaint I've heard from fans of of the of the literary version of the characters that his his characterization is is a little inconsistent. He actually Conan is supposed to be well read, and in fact, they do talk about that in this movie where when he's being trained how to use a sword. He's also taught how to read and write, and uh, he's also uh, put out stud uh, in a tradition they call oh, yeah. wife wifing. Um, but yeah, uh, Conan in the, in the books, especially in the comics, anyway, he's uh, he's not verbose, but he's very very intelligent, and also his appearance. Uh, Jason Momoa actually is better representative of what he's supposed to look like, um, mm. like black hair and and more like that bone structure and whatnot. It, it's neither here nor there. It's not important. But anyway, Conan gets a sword. Uh, he finds yeah. a. Uh, it's funny because the way it's shot, I never really picked up on this, but it reads in the script. And it's expressed by the director himself on the commentary that the skeleton's supposed to be giant. Mm. Um, but I never really, un- unless it was told to me, I wouldn't have thought of that. Nah, it's like the the it doesn't look like it just looks like Theoden died on, on his chair. Basically, it just looks like some old dude. But yeah, the the sequence is again without dialogue, uh, just musical accompaniment. Crom, and- we have to get the crom in there. Yeah, 
And we do find uh, Arnold uh, refers to the, the skeleton as Crom, uh, which makes sense. I mean, he, he was captured as a child and he was told by his father like days before that or moments before that your God lives underground. Oh, and he and steel oh, is like yeah. steel is his ma- physical manifestation in our world. Giant un- underground giant holding a sword may as well be Crom. Uh, so it makes act makes sense actually. Uh, yeah, uh, he gets back on the move. Presumably, kills these dogs. Uh, he does then, actually. He yeah. he. Um, John Milius has a joke on the commentary where he says, "Like we get a shot of him holding, brandishing the sword and looking at the dogs with intent, and then mm-hmm. the next shot is him wearing the dog." Oh, that is the dog pelts. Oh man, a maniac. Yeah, that was this. Is this the creepy witch? Say, yeah, he has to stop by and fuck a witch real quick uh, yeah, for no reason. That it doesn't add anything. No, it doesn't. It's totally messed up. I, <clears throat> I still don't like that scene to this day. I'm like, I don't get this. This is creeping me out. You it's don't the need. Only, I feel like it's the only scene like it as well. It's the only one that's kind of like you could full, pull it out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just kind of like full on creepy magic. And yeah, you could pull it out because immediately after he meets his buddy, he meets his friend. Yeah. You could you literally could have just been walking and then met him along mm-hmm. the way. It would have been totally perfect. Dude, the only person who's dumb enough to fall for this is fucking Ash uh, from <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Campbell's character. He would fall. Hey, you, uh, mind if I warm myself by your fire? Oh, yes. Great. <laughs> he wouldn't even catch on. <laughs> great let's go in there dollface <laughs> it's a total this is a total evil dead like this is totally an evil dead thing like this is totally something that he would uh, find him a situation he find himself into yeah so he bones this lady real quick and she just you know turns into a goblin he throws her in a fire she rah, just rah. i think maybe it's to set up like kind of a magical element of the film just to kind of introduce you dip your toes into a little bit because that hasn't really been made clear yet I think that's largely what the scene exists for is to, um, and I mean, it's given Kyle, but it's yeah, like yeah. if we have a scene without, then there's a serious problem in the editing yeah. of our film. But um, yeah, it's, it's to reiterate that yes, magic does exist in this. In fact, when he picks up the sword, there's that bit where the skeleton shifts, like it collapses a little bit and like, it could be read as if like the soul is leaving the, the skeleton or something. It, it's a slightly mis- mystical moment, but um, as far as I understand, that's a fairly common thing in Conan stories where the, the use of magic, the, the representation of magic is not especially overt. It mm. Strange things Subtle. happen. Magic does exist, like concretely. It is a thing, but it, it's not like people doing kamehamehas at each other. <laughs> it's, like, it's not that kind of shit. It's, it's just like subtle things like 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 Thulsa Doom looking someone in the eye, speaking in a hypnotic tone, and then they jump off a cliff. Things like that, as opposed to chucking fireballs and like bamfing dragons into existence and stuff. But um, there is an important bit of dialogue that happens here where as he's boning her, she gives <laughs> she gives up um, where just seamless <laughs> where Thulsa Doom is. You get pretty good at this shit, Kyle. You, I mean, you watch enough bad movies, you, you got to be able to plow through some of this stuff. <laughs> oh, you're, you're like with the confidence and the confidence and nonchalance of a porn director. <laughs> Important dialogue as he's filming. Yeah, as Conan the Sumerian is uh, shooting loads, shooting ropes onto the walls, uh, she imports a very, a very important bit of dialogue to him. Uh, con- 
concerning the location of Thulsa Doom and his serpent cult. We, we need this information here. This is, of course, referenced in Robert E. Howard's original text. <laughs> Both the shooting of ropes and the snake cult. Oh. <laughs> Copious ropes. Um, oh. Yeah, she does give up the location of Thulsa Doom. She gave it up? <laughs> Well, she's submitting. He fucked to... it out of her. <laughs> I mean, basically, like she's the oh. faces she's making tell you as much. Where it's like she's doing like the bellows cheeks, like the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you think he was on the on the fence? Like, I wonder if she's into me. Like, I think so, dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she he, met he you did, with this fucking This is where eyes, we yeah. get one of my favorite lines: two snakes facing yeah. each other, but they're one. <laughs> pretty good so he asked her uh, about the the standard uh because he's like i've seen this symbol before you have it in your home and she gives up the name of it and then the the lighting goes all blue and she gets yeah. all crazy faced and she sprouts fangs and she starts digging into his back and i i love i love the blocking of this how he just like he just gives her a look and he just chucks her into the fire <laughs> like without I mean, skipping a beat he's just like you yeah. got to go as you would yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, but he's still thrusting well into the blue. Like it's blue, windy, and she's changing, and he's still just well, he's Kyle, in the zone. Kyle, he's probably like thinking he can get there. <laughs> oh, I'm almost there. <laughs> yeah, he's probably stop, he's, and you know, he's probably making that agreement <laughs> with himself where it's like two two more. <laughs> three, three more, four more. <laughs> they're regular, they're regular. God damn it. He blows her into the fire. Uh, she ah, just uh, goes off. And then, yeah, he's just like, he, he, he just goes to sleep and then gets up the next morning. He's like, all right, I guess I'm out. And this fucking, his sidekick was just outside the whole night. Just like <laughs> just listening to it. Like, oh, there's some weird stuff going on in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, he probably was listening in the whole time because he's like right outside the door. <laughs> yeah, he's right there. Like, how did you miss him? Uh, I do like it. He's just like food. Uh, yeah, he's like, I need, I need food for when the wolves come. He's like, kind of, kind of like a fuck off. But then he's just like, I'm a thief. And he's like, all right, well, let's get the fuck out of here. You're my friend now. Uh, and then they go into town. Oh, one of my other favorite quotes: "Who are you?" Mm. <laughs> it's delivered with the most bizarre tone. Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> it's, it's just some fucking hobo with a bow. <laughs> like, it's, it's not even like he's a grand wizard or like a knight or something. It's just some guy. <laughs> some 90 pound uh, dude just chilling. I think he's Hawaiian. Uh, I, go ahead, Nick. No, I was going to say, <clears throat> I'm, try- I'm, I'm fast forwarding. Is this where okay, so he gets his friend? He goes into the market. Is this the movie where he punches a camel? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Great. Yeah, he, he does it again uh, in the second one, though. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I do like he gets some he gets some tasty treats. He gets it looks like something yeah. from Star Wars. It looks like these little like chameleon shish kebabs. Like, oh, good. Yeah. yeah, like little shish kebabs. It's just like a, a lizard on a stick. He's like, it's good. And he's like, you have no idea how long it's been there. Like, yeah. He's got a good point. That's how you get food poisoning. Yeah, apparently that was a scene cut from the film. A uh, director was humble enough to remove himself from his own film because uh, he was oh. the merchant who sold those to them. Uh, but oh, he was like, nice. I don't need I don't need to be in this movie. I contributed nothing. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's good. That that shows restraint. But I did like the conversation between him and uh, Subotai where uh, they're talking about their respective gods. Oh, yeah. Uh, where Subotai says his his gods live. They're the four winds. They live in the heavens. And <laughs> Krom laughs at your four winds. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, he, he definitely says Valhalla. He definitely says that uh, he's like. 
if I don't do things good, Grom will keep me out of Valhalla or something like that. Um, so I, it must be some kind of. Uh, why would we? Why would I we... must do more milking. <laughs> In order to I get into kill. Valhalla, I must do more milking and more souls for the Dark Lord. Um, yeah. yeah. So they go. They they have a conversation about whose god is the better god, and uh, I, I love that expression uh, Arnold makes when he's told that like. Four winds exist. Uh, your God exists in the earth below my gods. And it, w- there's no retort. It's just Arnold going <laughs> like, shut up. <laughs> that'd be funny if he's wearing I could crush you with my ass cheeks. You little shit. Um, to quote Jack Palance, I crap bigger than you. I crap bigger than you. <laughs> uh, so, so they go into town and they leave town and they go to another town uh, and they're looking for snakes. And they end up talking to this dude and he's like, oh, uh, snakes was like an evil cold around here killing people. I don't know nothing about that. You want some uh, opium, basically? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So this is when they go. He punches the camel. He's leaving, leaving uh, the city. And I think, yeah, somebody's messing with a camel. I don't know if they're banging a camel, but they might be. But yeah, this is where he definitely punches a camel. Sometimes you gotta. Yeah. Yeah. John uh, Milius does draw attention to the the llama banging <laughs> yeah. on the commentary. What llama banging? I don't know. I, I literally do not know. It's in you... the background. You wouldn't notice if you if you weren't looking for it. What does and, he just say? Like... What does he say about it? I must know now. You don't see like in the movie? No, he said in the commentary. Oh, he, he, he just he just draws attention to it. He's like, never mind the man <laughs> banging the llama back there. <laughs> never mind it. You put it in there. <laughs> well, it's not like it's not like MacGruber going to town on his ghost wife in the cemetery. It's just a dude kind of you know just you know just chilling next to it. You don't see him. It's not like yeah, not like no, it, it, it's just a seedy alleyway, and there's some there's some whores present that uh, Arnold refers to as slat the all slats. Yeah, the all slats. <laughs> So it's just it's just like the red light district or something, and there's probably yeah. some other guy who's tripping balls and st- he's mm. stroking Obama, but he's positioned behind it, and it okay. looks questionable. Okay. All you see is him just massaging Obama, massaging. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So they, uh, so yeah, so then they get like, oh, there's that big snake tower over there. Once you guys sober up, you can guys, you guys can kind of go figure it out. Uh, and this is where we meet his girlfriend. Va- what's her name? Valerie. Valeria. 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 I like Valerie better. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, now we got to go. We got to go steal the snake. We got to go steal the, uh, the the gem, the stone, whatever it is. This is a weird scene, but a fun scene. Yeah, there's a lot of these in this movie. In fact, the, the majority of the runtime of this movie is comprised of these very long sequences where without the musical accompaniment, this would look absolutely hideous. Like in yeah. the editing room, you'd just be like, what even is this? This is not a film. Um, but because of Basil Polidoris's music, this all works. <clears throat> but it's these like long 10-minute stretches of the film where it's just people like infiltrating a place, sneaking around, uh, some rituals going on. It, it makes you feel kind of like a fly on the wall. It's largely tensionless. Like it doesn't have a whole lot of dramatic like dramatics going on. Um, but you feel like you're just observing. And, and then it has these explosions of action and violence that pay off the 10 minute wait, thankfully. Like if, it, if they didn't have that, this movie would be boring as shit. But yeah. thankfully, when it, when it springs into action after the buildup, like he, he does know how to pace out like an action beat. 
I do disagree. I think that the going into the orgy scene, that's tense. I do think that that sequence, because you just saw like, dude, they're cutting up people and turning them into food and you're going to keep going. So that's kind of tense. This isn't as tense. I agree. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we got, uh, it's a bunch of ladies with our uh, ex-football player. He's a priest of some kind. Um, and we're going to be giving a, I'm guessing, virgin sacrifice. And you know what? Better pop that top off because, you know, that it's John Milius. You got to do that. Uh, so, yeah, Conan and uh, what's his face are going to go downstairs and they're going to go uh, get this big, big stone away from a giant snake puppet. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is decidedly a puppet. Like, like yeah. its mobility is not great. Like, it doesn't move well. It looks decent when it's at rest, um, oh, and it bleeds but... gloriously. Yeah, it does. Yeah, um, it's juicy when it gets decapitated. Yeah, yeah, and when it gets depacketated, it is glorious. But um, it does. It's not really a character. Like, it it poses yeah. no threat to anyone in the room. It's... When it's when it's rearing up, you can almost see the mop stick that it was being like the head was being put on <laughs> as they're like pushing it up there to go attack. <laughs> yeah, it has behind. that like wiggle to it, yeah. <laughs> 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 where the weight distribution is all wonky. And not only that, it's like you can like if you've ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese, you can hear the servos like a like every time every time it reaches the apex of a turn. Yeah, so they end up getting this stone. We just we decapitate this snake, and this is where we get Valerie. What's her name? Valerie Valkyrie Valeria. Hey, got it. Valeria, <laughs> yeah. Valeria, uh, they're escaping, and it's like we have to jump off this tower. She's like, "You want to live forever?" And they jump <laughs> off, and they make it, and then they go spend all their money in like two weeks. Yeah, spoiler alert: she doesn't live forever, um, mm-hmm. but that is her catchphrase. Um, yeah, it does come up a couple more times in the movie. Um, Never pieced together that like so you know they 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 go to the bar basically they're chilling at the bar. Uh, and this is where we go into their sex scene, which apparently neither one of them had done a sex scene before. I don't know how Milius was directing them, uh, <laughs> but there is a really goofy shot of. Uh, so we've we've boned. It was fun. And now we're eating meat. We're eating meat and drinking wine and we're laughing. And then we're like back to like cuddling and stuff like that. And then we get this moment where she's like straddling him and he just like kind of sits up a little bit. And she just kind of holds the back of his head and they just embrace. And it's just like this really, really sweet hug that she gives him. I'm like, what the fuck? You guys have known each other for 30 minutes. Like, what the hell's happening? It's really goofy. What are, you, what are you talking about? You don't do that? What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> you, de- you don't eat your mutton joint and then experiment with goofy positions on the first night? <laughs> I, I always, I always <laughs> pass out in my soup afterwards. It's every time. So it's like you're laying in bed with a bucket of KFC after after you you've done. I had KFC this day. I had KFC for lunch. Don't you so talk about KFC? You have KFC and then you've got a, a gallon of wine after you've just you know you've just made love with your lady friend there, and then you're just like ah, just, oh, just greasy fingers, and then yeah. Sunday yeah. afternoons, baby. What are you gonna do? That's what we do. I don't understand. What's Sunday fun day. Sunday fun day. <laughs> Get the wine. The logistics of that are maddening. So it's like you go at it fucking hard and heavy, like hot and heavy, right out the gate. 
after you killed a bunch of people (laughs) then and then after the first session a gallon of wine a bunch of turkey legs so you got tryptophan in your blood protein (laughs) you're all you're all bloated and greasy and full of wine and then you go at it again again from an experimental position (laughs) gotta be fucking crazy man let's try something weird i saw one time uh (laughs) i was hanging out with christ jones on the set of the sequel (laughs) she taught me some things in the bedroom not just one figure not two (laughs) jesus um but yeah no i know exactly the shot you're talking about kyle and it it is hilarious it's really goofy but yeah but again uh, the the blocking of certain scenes i want to say our director told people exactly what to do but didn't tell them why and and they're just ah. like okay <laughs> this is fucking stupid but whatever um but yeah so then we get like the narration it's like yeah they they had a good time but now they've gone too hard i didn't understand that they were pretty much broke at this point uh that's why he's got like the the soup the shitty looking soup and they just like just plops down he's about to die by the way because he's just drowning in this huge bowl of soup that is one of the oh, more yeah. gifable sequences in the whole movie is him him just staring dead ahead, looking cracked out and dropping his face directly <laughs> into the soup. Um, but yeah, then we get taken before uh, King Max von Sydow, which I did. I never realized that was him playing this king. Yeah, I mean, he only has the one scene, really, um, and he makes use of his screen time. And but he, you know, his his outfit, he's he's pretty well covered, although he does have that yeah. booming voice with that very peculiar accent. So it's like in retrospect, when you come to the scene, knowing full well who it is, you're like, oh, you're, I'm excited. Yeah, the lions ate him. Um, <laughs> so uh, so this so you said that Milius probably isn't very good at giving his uh, actors direction. I don't think he had to give any direction to James Earl Jones. I think James Earl Jones knew exactly what to do. And I think Von Sydow probably the same thing. He's like, I've worked with Bergman. I got this, bro. Like, don't have to tell me what to do. Um, but did you notice his little the little uh, lip quiver he does when he's talking? He does. Um, it's just a little something he does with the character. He his his lower lip kind of quivers a little bit. I think it's to make him look a little bit older. I didn't notice that, but uh, that does make sense from a character standpoint because he he uh, he in my mind anyway he kind of represents like uh, a future iteration of Conan. Like this is mm-hmm. Conan, yeah. 30, 40 years down the road because the way he talks about his daughter, he has that line about like all the riches, the, the throne. It doesn't mean anything. Like what's most important at this point in my life isn't the glory of battle or riches. It's it's my blood. It's my daughter. So it's like, this is him telling Conan, like, you're having your fun right now, but eventually you'll be me. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it, it's fitting because uh, he is he is supposed to be kind of a, a vulnerable character. He's a very loud, boisterous character, but you can tell like he's desperate, like he's offering mm-hmm. his kingdom essentially to Conan just to get his daughter back mm-hmm. um, from the, those damn snakes, which have been popping yeah. up all over the land. Those goddamn towers. Yeah, the snake people. Um <laughs> Yeah, he has the the thing about the dagger, the little snake dagger. I guess apparently it I, was he insinuating that he killed his own father, or it that just the, that's the, the the knife. That's just what it's known for for some guy killing his dad with it. I don't think he killed his father. I I think this is kind of like a <laughs> some like Charles Manson type shit. Where like I mean, Thulsa Doom is a cult leader. The idea is he he has his his people that he brings into his cult people in positions of power and then he sends them back out into the world and then they'll 
they'll kill the politicians or the kings of across the land and he'll he'll take over basically so that that his daughter was going to stab him in his sleep basically and then Thulsa Doom was going to take over the whole town or the whole city ah there we go yeah he's like look at what I found in my daughter's dressing room or whatever this is some more <laughs> found, it under, found it under her pillow uh, <laughs> I found about it was in a hole in the wall behind her wham poster um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Conan, they, they like have a chat and he gets, he has a, that double snake. Uh, he has a like double snake necklace that he's contemplating and, uh, he actually leaves in the middle of the night. He actually is going to go do this mission. Well, he thinks he's going to go do this mission on his own, basically. Yeah. Valeria doesn't want him to leave. Cause she talks about how, like, I never, I never expected that I'd, I'd have a person that I just want to be with and, and mm-hmm. like. I thought I was just going to be on my own and she clearly has feelings for him. And she's like urging him. Like, I know you got a personal stake in this. Plus it's a big fucking payday on top of that, but it would be really cool if you just stayed. But <laughs> in the same shot, it's hilarious. Cause he's like hugging her and they're both in the frame. And then he just like, she like puts her head, she buries her head against his chest and then his eyes to go over here. And he just holds up the snake. The snakes. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm going to go cheat on you with some snakes. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go figure out this snake thing. Um, is this the part where he goes to like the hippie area and then he seduces the dude and everything? That's, that's, that's what I was trying to figure out in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes to meet the, he meets the wizard first. I do believe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, he meets he comes the, to the funeral pyre. Yeah, um, he meets the wizard, and I didn't really catch much from their exchange. I this was like the part of the movie. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I forgot uh, about the wizard here, uh, but I'm like, I know the next part's the important part, the, the thing that's coming up. So I didn't really pay much attention to what they the dialogue here. Yeah, so this is where he meets Mako, uh, who portrays the wizard uh, Akiro, uh, who is also in Conan the Destroyer. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be the same character, but he he provides our narration uh, in this mm-hmm. film. Uh, he's our narrator and he's the wizard uh, who meets Conan here at this like funeral pyre where there's a lot of skeletons of dead warriors. And basically this is just a pit stop on Conan's journey. Cause uh, as Nick had mentioned, he does come across like a roving band of hippies uh, who apparently give him a tip as to where Thulsa Doom's uh, mountain of power uh, is. <laughs> um, so he's just, bedding down for the night but it just so happens this location already has a wizard hanging out there and uh, he does mention that like this is some sort of hallowed ground of sorts where like kings and warriors have been buried so he, he yeah. sings he sings to them so this is like some sort of place with great spiritual energy but it not a whole lot happens there and then we proceed to the mountain of power yeah. <laughs> i love that name i love that that phrase is spoken in this film that's something that like in 2021 or 2022, I don't imagine many, many Hollywood execs would feel comfortable <laughs> having that phrase uttered in their hundred million dollar film or whatever. It does sound kind of white pointy hat sounding. Yeah. And there are white pointy hats in this film. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 There are. It's the mountain of power. Um. <laughs> My mountain of power. <laughs> My mountain of power. <laughs> It's the Appalachians, you bitch. Um, so my so, holler of power. My holler of power. Uh, <laughs> shout out to West Virginia. Yeah, Mountain of Power, and this like so he just kind of camps out. He gets he's just in like some some rags. He's not into much. He's got a cool cool blanket, and uh, all these hippies are just kind of hanging out in the field. And they wake up in the morning, and all the people in the robes are coming, and uh, it, it's a good time. So 
Arnold's plan is he's going to infiltrate this thing. Well, Man. Arnold, <laughs> he is 6'2 and about 270 pounds of muscle. <laughs> he's noticeable in a... <laughs> no, that's what a hippie like... looks like every day. What are, you, what are you talking about? Hitting the gym six days a week. <laughs> Deca, D-ball, test, and peace. Um <laughs> Uh, world peace Tulsa <laughs> <laughs> Doom Oh no his, his 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 protein farts would be just like turning the grass yeah. brown <laughs> What is he... that <laughs> testosterone stench <laughs> Oh good it's, it's an orb it's not moving um uh so yeah but he's just like I'm going to infiltrate this place so he goes up to this this uh this weird little dude comes up to him he's like Hey brother, what's going on with you? He's like, oh, I'm shy, you know. Maybe we should go talk over here, you know. And this guy's like, fine, yeah, okay. And he's just like, I'm afraid, I'm shy, you know. He's like, but you have, you know, such a strong body. Why, why should you be so? Yeah, he pops his shirt open and like touches his chest. I'm like, look at this. I'm like, is he hitting on this dude? I'm like, I think this guy's like, is this guy hitting on me? But well, this guy, uh, he's just like, oh, these are your priest robes? He's like, yes, it's all I have. And you can see he's kind of scared, like he's about to get robbed. Yo, and then, yeah, yeah, he just smacks this dude down. There's no way this pipsqueak's garments are going to fit onto this Adonis. There's no way. No way. Yeah, no, this is this is borderline like a, I don't know, like a Zucker Brothers gag in terms of like how the outfit magically fits him. Or it's yeah. just like you know. Oh, it's magic! It it, it is magic, magic. Is real in this. <laughs> magic is real in this world. So maybe. Yeah, the reason why Kyle is saying Conan's plan in quotation marks, like air quotes, you can fucking hear, uh, is because there is no plan. <laughs> he is straight up. He is straight up Archer. Ster- he is Sterling Archer. Just like I don't know. I didn't read the dossier. I'm just going to go straight into it. <laughs> Yeah, so he makes a colossal fuck up here, and and the director pointed this out. You, it would be difficult, like without the commentary, to even notice this. But basically, he has this like jade snake, like double headed snake pendant, like this Ouroboros thing that he's he's carting around, and he's using it as like a uh, a multi pass. <laughs> like it's like, way to, it's <laughs> it's backstage passes to oh, Alice Cooper. Yeah. He's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just pass- <laughs> like. So yeah, so why does he get caught? That's what I was wondering because he hands oh, it to yeah. the, he hands it to the guy with the mask, and he's just like, "What the fuck?" Like, yeah, no, so as him. it so happens, Conan is not worthy. Um, I don't think that that works that way. I don't <laughs> think I don't think the thing that he has actually serves that purpose. I think the guy he hands it to is just like, "Oh, you stole this." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I know the guy who had this, and you're not him. <laughs> I found this two headed. This, he stole the Declaration of Independence, and he's just like walking around with it, and he's like, "You're not supposed to have this." <laughs> no, I mean, the second he hands it to the guy, the guy lets him go, but he like follows him. <laughs> he's just like, "Nope." <laughs> Alternate casting: Contemporary Nicholas Cage plays Thulsa Doom. Ooh. How much fun would that be? You see, that is strength. That is power. <laughs> Him going forward, I feel like this case would have been a good, a good Tulsa doom. Come to wow. me, my son. Yeah, come to me, my child. <laughs> come, come to me, my child. <laughs> I gave you that. I gave you that. 
come on <laughs> imagine him trying to say crucify him like how many different crucify. ways would he try to do <laughs> crucify, crucify him. Him. <laughs> that would be brilliant though by the way uh not to totally derail us but kyle are you aware that one Nicolas cage is portraying uh dracula in an upcoming oh, film dude Ari, Ari Aster movie with Joaquin Phoenix. It's a horror drama. Sold. Did you just say Nicolas Cage is going to be playing Dracula? <laughs> Dracula. Yeah. yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, that's going to be awesome. What movie? What are you talking about? It's called Renfield. And uh, mm. I don't know who's playing Renfield. I think Nicholas Holt is also in the film. He does nothing for me, but uh, I would assume he's playing Renfield and Nicolas Cage is playing his master. <laughs> master <laughs> master um is nicholas holt or nicholas holt is he the dude from uh fury road yes yes okay. he is he's yeah, fine. The, the young fella yeah he does, he, he's fine he's fine uh yeah so <laughs> arnold quote unquote infiltrates this thing like by the way people are like suspicious immediately he's like looking into a pool and she's like oh what do you see mm-hmm. brother he's like oh infinity she's like, good just kind of gives him I see I see seven Mr. Olympia titles. I see a guy with pointy ears sucking off another guy with pointy ears. <laughs> I see Chessie Ventura in the governor's seat. <laughs> I see The Rock winning the Royal Rumble. Uh what? <laughs> Nothing. Um, um but yeah, he gets jumped. Uh he gets I'm thoroughly sorry. jumped. Was The Rock ever in a Royal Rumble? Absolutely. Of course. Okay. In fact, I didn't want. I think he was involved in one of the botched Royal Rumbles where his feet were not supposed to touch the ground, and they did, and so they had to fucking figure it out on the spot. So I'm <laughs> sure he got chewed out by Vince McMahon. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite office quotes is uh, they ask cage match. Yeah, of course, cage cage matches work. Otherwise, everybody would still be in the cage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so he is uh, he is tiptoeing six foot two, two hundred and seventy pound uh, Arnold. Just like he goes up to this dude from Slipknot and just hands him this. Uh, he, he tries to get past him. He's like, what, the f- what are you doing? And he just like shows him the snake, and he's just like, all right. And he just like immediately goes over to his boss, and he goes over to Sven Oli and the, the the football player, and he's like, yeah, that jabroni just gave me the snake thing. I, he's not supposed to have that. Uh, he gets super close up to Thulsa Doom. We definitely see. Uh, the dude's daughter is there. We got confirmed. She's up there. She's holding two snakes, and she is taking herself way too seriously. Well, I mean, if you just look at her bone structure, this is one of the most French women that has ever existed. Yeah. <laughs> she is exceedingly French, and she <laughs> she is not a whole lot of dialogue in this film, but she is she's a little bit annoying. And yeah, she's going to town with with the serpent moves and holding. She's the about to start licking these snakes, like. <laughs> Yeah, no, she we is getting doing, she is going off book for sure. <laughs> we didn't tell her to do that. <laughs> you, sounded, you sounded just like Beetlejuice when you said that. <laughs> when come for your daughter, Chuck. Uh, uh, so yeah, they're just like uh, James Earl Jones comes out in his crazy outfit. I, this is this is wild. Uh, his outfit. He looks like a like, Power Rangers villain. Like he does very yeah, much. He looks like you should be hanging out with Lord Zed and Rita Repulsa, honestly. Yeah. Like if we're being hundred percent. So is this the same production designer as Alien, by the way? <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just like one of you among us is an uh an infidel, and then immediately they just <laughs> get him. Yeah, like <laughs> did Arnold look around or was he just was he just like it's not me. <laughs> 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 
There's over there, I think. <laughs> There's like a fucking eight foot circle of people that are not sitting around him because they're about to grab him. Yeah. Uh, his nickname is the Austrian Oak. You think you notice somebody with that nickname? <laughs> yeah, by the way, like- it, it seems apparent that like probably 80% of the movie's budget went towards this scene and maybe the finale because the extras uh, on set for this sequence. Oh. Like literally, like a thousand people or something. It's really impressive. Like this is the kind of stuff that would be very, very difficult to film today, because of you know unions and like paying extras. You, know, you got so- your damn unions. <laughs> <laughs> but like just just to have this many bodies on screen without the assistance of CGI technology, even even like like uh, foreground miniatures or, or matte paintings. This is all live people on camera. Mm-hmm. So they actually had to assemble these people, and that was really impressive to look at plus you know the musical accompaniment that comes with it really adds up to kind of like an epic scale sequence but yeah long story short conan gets jumped um and then that brings us directly to like one of the cooler scenes in the movie if you ask me this is where james earl jones gets to hold court and really do some of that acting shit um and he has some really awesome dialogue here this is where i'm pretty sure john milius maybe tweaked oliver stone's screenplay a little bit to to make it more to give it more balls <laughs> because like, that's a that's a given um but there's a couple of nuggets in here that really stand out like the the big one is of course the reference to the riddle of steel where uh that's the um steel is strong but flesh is stronger moment um but Another Arnold quote that's one of my favorites in this movie. You, ah, you took my father's sword. <laughs> it's, it's only because it's Arnold saying it's such a it's such a pointless, innocuous line. But you took my father's sword. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good line. But yeah, it's funny that because he's doing like you killed my father, you killed my people. And he's just like, it sounds so weird because then you got velvety James Earl Jones taking back over the scene and uh, holding the scene. Um, Yeah, I like his, um, uh, he's good. uh, James Earl Jones is good at eye acting in this movie. Like his, his excitement is like, yes, you know what I'm talking about. That's a legendary Uh, yes, by the way. Just the way it's it's like Lawrence Fishburne in the Matrix. Just like, yeah, (laughs) it's like like knowing yes. Alternate casting for Thulsa Dune, uh, Raul Julia. Well, I mean, he's kind of doing that in Street Fighter. Yeah. Like, like I said, there are some parallels to some of the lines here. I'm talking Gomez Adams energy, or like him at the end. Yeah, <laughs> like, like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he just get I, this is this always uh, stuck with me as a kid. Like this scene of him telling the girl to to come and jump down. It's pretty yeah. crazy. Uh, it's pretty dark. Yeah, it, it's pitch black dark. It, it's it's a uh, it's horrifying, but it's like really effective because like this yeah. is this is a really interesting way of building up a villain who honestly doesn't occupy much of a presence in terms of screen time or physicality for that matter. This is a guy who his skill set purely centers around his ability to manipulate other people, and the way he demonstrates it here is just like inarguably powerful. Where it's like we've seen Conan can murk a fool. Like he's done it plenty of times in the movie up till now, but here he is totally helpless at the hands of, you know, an infinite army of cult cultists and whatnot. And then, yeah, Thulsa Doom has this moment where he just like looks up to one of his devoted followers and just says, come, 
come child. And she jumps off a fucking cliff and falls into a. She breaks the floor, by the way. Somebody's got to fix that. Like yeah. you could have picked a different spot. Like maybe the rocks like a couple of feet to the side or something, something that we can mop up as opposed <laughs> to like have to repair. Jeez. Uh, you just see the guy that it's like it had to install it. Just like, <sighs> dude, I spent. A fucking just week on that. that. <laughs> I mean, in a Mike Myers movie, that would be the cut. Just, it's just like smash through the floor and just like motherfucker. <laughs> like, <laughs> every fucking time, like every time we bring someone into this room, this happens. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then, uh, I think my favorite James Earl Jones delivery is "Crucify Him." Uh, yeah. yeah, and then we get the crucifixion. Yeah, my favorite is. Uh, I mean the steel is strong but flesh is stronger is of course probably the most memorable but my personal favorite was um he's basically telling that he's telling conan that all the all the horrible shit that he did to him made him better like made it tempered him it made him stronger like it implanted in him the seeds of the will to live and he just has this moment where he breaks character for a minute and he gets venomous where he's like i gave you that like like motherfucker, you come into my house. And it's like you don't understand. You you wouldn't be able to get as far as you did if I didn't depacketate your mom in front of you. <laughs> and I, actually, I do have a question about that because I remember I remember that even as a kid, I, I understood what was happening, and I was like, why does he kill him? Why does he say crucify him? Like not only just like not just kill him, like make him suffer. Like if you see that in somebody, why do you just? kill them i think um i think part of it is like the effect that saying crucify him and the image of somebody somebody being crucified i think it's it's at first like script writing i think it just it's it's powerful it's powerful to see especially for you know americans <laughs> like american audience are like we a lot of us grew up around the church or are well aware of the story of jesus so that just kind of like oh we're kind of touching on that yeah it I think from an image standpoint, absolutely, that it does carry quite a bit of weight, especially with, you know, general American audiences in 1982. But Italian audiences would probably be pretty freaked out, too. Oh, oh, I mean, yeah. that's where our money came from. That's where our financing came from. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was a producer's note. I mean, for fuck's sake, like, um, no, you, they're going to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this will set the pants on fire. <laughs> um, and that wasn't an Italian. That wasn't an Italian impression. That was a Mario impression. That was totally different. Yes. Yeah. It's a totally different oh. thing. <laughs> but um, in addition to that, though, it's like, I think he's simultaneously recognizing the value in Conan, where it's like, this is a rare individual, like just for him to get as far as he did is special so it's like maybe don't kill him outright but on top of that it's also saying it's saying him as an example because he did come into his home with intentions to harm him in front of his thousands of cultists or whatever it's like that that guy has to get it bad like it can't it can't just be like we take him backstage and <laughs> dump him in an alley somewhere it's like no we we have to make an example of him it's also very important to note that Thulsa Doom is rumored to be a thousand years old. Yeah. Uh, so now we've established magic, so it's not unreasonable that he could be a thousand years old, uh, which makes the climax of the film or the ending of the film all the sweeter. All the sweeter. Yeah. The uh, director himself said that he interpreted the character as like part of a dying race, like an ain't like 
some like sub immortal race of beings that that are ageless and have hypnotic powers of some or, or hypnotic, if you will, <laughs> powers. Hypnotic. That's pretty sweet. That, that sounds pretty sweet. It sounds like something I would play in a video game for sure. Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to be the guy with the hypnotic powers. You got yeah. any of those? <laughs> no, down, down, up, back B is the hypnotic powers. <laughs> Conan needs to go next time. He has to go in there with the the Konami code at hand. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, he is crucified. Uh, I'm gonna step on the gas a little bit because this like the, the next 20 minutes of the movie are kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's on the he's on the tree. Uh, he does awesomely kill a buzzard, <laughs> which is pretty great. <laughs> it's it's pretty. I awesome. forgot until you just <laughs> said it. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he kills Big Bird with his teeth. Like it's yeah. a it's a bird puppet. He bites it what's, on the throat. <laughs> what's better? There are real vultures on the tree and like behind the tree. So he, we have Arnold like just ripping off this puppet's <laughs> neck while real vultures are in the background, which is really fun. Glad that's not me. <laughs> I killed your friend. A uh, person who is uh, left out to die, who's defending themselves, the Rock and the Scorpion King, snapping or like crushing those ants with his chin mm. is awesome. Uh, really, really funny. Uh, but yeah, so um, his buddy sees him and he starts laughing, and I guess he's just like so dehydrated and gone that this kills him basically. Um, so yeah, they take him back to what's the, the they take him back to the wizard, and he's like, well. We're on this ancient burial ground where all these um, kings, these old kings lay. So they're going to try to come back for him tonight. They're going to maybe come take his soul and we've got to try to keep it back. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It's it's kind of weird. Basically, the, he's like he's only mostly dead here and mm-hmm. they have to complete this ritual uh, through the night to ensure that they can resuscitate him. So. Um, this becomes like a magical showdown between them and these specters. But in the meantime, yeah, Conan is comatose. And uh, this is a like explicit reference to a Japanese film uh, called Kwaidan. Uh, it's uh, like a anthology, like Japanese horror, like folk horror uh, movie from the 60s. I saw it a long time ago. It was good. Um, but there's one chapter in that, that film uh, about a priest who's like harassed by some spirits and uh, they do these tattoos on him like these these ink drawings on him um it's like kanji in in the japanese version and uh in that story they cover his entire body except for his ears so the spirits come for him and the one exposed part of his body is his ears so they yank his ears off (laughs) oh dang yeah and uh actually the director did mention that this is an explicit reference to that like i i noticed it and then then he confirmed it and i was like well at least he's humble enough to admit where he's borrowing from and even the encounter with the witch kind of has some some Japanese vibes to it. And more than that, the, the uh, wizard, the, I mean, the wizard. The, the wizard. And then on top of that, the the final battle is a pretty ex- like explicit reference to like the seven samurai or, or something like that. Mm. Um, so he, he's very well versed in, in Japanese cinema from the era. Um, but yeah, the sequence, guys, what did you think about uh, the spirits coming for Conan here? <sighs> Uh, I'm getting some weird faces here, uh, folks. You can't see that, but they're both making some embarrassed faces. <laughs> it's pretty goofy. Uh, it's it's a thing for sure. If I remember right, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't watched it in years, but I remember weird floating, like white, purple, like orbs. 
and then forbidden remember. planet level graphics yeah. yeah and valeria just being like no get away. <laughs> it's pretty bad i just oh. i'm fast forward. <laughs> i will not i will uh, not i will not watch it again i will not watch that scene again. I, I i fast forward to that i knew it was coming i'm like i'm not gonna watch yeah, it. yeah it's not a high point in the film for sure no, like i said no. she she struggles a little bit with her dialogue and her emoting uh, from a physical standpoint she has good presence she she moves well and she has good mm-hmm. energy but like mm-hmm. not the best at speaking on screen but yeah it's her laying on top of conan who's in like a a super hammock <laughs> and the poor yeah. arnold is just being <laughs> thrown around in a fucking wind tunnel while this woman's yeah. mounting him and bitch slapping oh, ghosts no. <laughs> punching wind uh, it, it looks like a, a drunk gal at a like a bar with a, a mechanical bull or something bathed in red light fighting yeah. ghosts hand-drawn animated ghosts mind you apparently the sequence was done by ilm so they did have top people top men uh working on this sequence um but yeah it it it's not the best um i will say that uh it it looks okay but uh, the first time i ever saw this movie uh it was on television and not in hd and i couldn't see what was happening it was just it was just a mess of muddy red images and a woman flailing around and screaming and i was like well that's five minutes of my life i can't get back thanks for that now um but thankfully it is followed by an, an excellent contemplative sequence where conan is recovered and it, he's at the beach and he's just swinging that sword yeah one of my favorite music cues in the whole movie it's like a, a it's a slower like more downbeat version of the opening title sequence and it's just him doing his sword forms and like on the road to recovery. So it's basically like a, a, a condensed training montage where it's like, he's getting it back, folks. He's getting back that eye of the tiger with a sword. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Are we going, guys? Are we going to the orgy? Yes, we're we are. To the orgy next. We're going to the orgy. I, I love the costuming in this scene. Uh, so the they get paint. all... Yeah, so they put the like paint. white paint, yeah. white paint, and then they've got uh, yeah, like some black paint, almost like Almost like uh, zebra stripes, um, like but, but, but metal, but yeah. like metal. Um, Dead, zebras are deadly predators. You got to watch out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but this is like the most metal scene. Like this, this is like a, a black metal video that's about to happen. Um, so they go in, they go in through the through the rear, and we've got like shirtless fat dudes with their with their leather masks on. And we've just got, this is where I was like, Nick, that's where I sent you a polo. I'm like, dude, you should have at least watched this sequence because yeah. I don't remember there being dead bodies in here. And rem- there are a lot. I remember bones like in the soup. I remember the soup clear as day. He, he's like, oh, take your soup and eat it. But I don't remember anything else. Oh, dash more. There is, uh, <laughs> there are people hung up like cattle. Where? Uh, so like, where? disemboweled headless like it i never saw it when we were kids i was watching him like holy shit so they're basically cutting up people and eating them and they're put they, they do put them in this soup it looks disgusting by the way it looks like the milk that uh luke has in uh a new hope like that greenish milk that they have uh, the blue milk yeah is it blue i thought it was greenish. it's blue. like a, trust me it's blue, blue. It's in gross. a new hope it's blue <laughs> oh i just put no in the new one uh when he's milking the critter the critter on the beach that's that's, that's green. green that's that's green, green. okay but it that, looks like that. tatooine it's blue 
Trust me. Okay. I had the I had the card, Kyle, the trading card. You know, it's called just Moon to <laughs> just to piss off. In case there's any fanboys listening, I don't think you're right, Trevor. I think it's green. I actually know for a fact it's green, Trevor, and you're wrong. I'm gonna. It's like I'm gonna post that to advertise this <laughs> this episode. Uh, so, folks said- at home, you can't see this, but Nick is watching. <laughs> The orgy slash battle sequence right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm watching the hissing. She hisses at her. Yes, after she yeah, gets dude. backhanded. <laughs> like I said, she's a little bit French. <laughs> uh, but you don't get to see the like. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to spend the money and rent it just so you can see that sequence. Uh, because yeah, there's way more in there than you think. But yeah, this is where we get into the, the orgy sequence. But yeah, we get one head, two head, and then. It's almost it's kind of funny as they they get there because then Arnold's like the third one and he pops up over and his eyes get like oh whoa there's crazy shit going on in here but yeah but this sequence this sequence is pretty awesome so Nick is watching uh, Ben Davidson yeah. and Sven Oli Thorson throw hands with Arnold here uh, during the sequence that immediately follows the orgy but by the way like I think I think maybe the the low energy atmosphere of this orgy can be potentially explained away by like. Maybe it's post orgy because we are ser- we are serving food. Like I don't <laughs> think you want refreshments. Yeah, I don't think you want refreshments. He is making the soup. Yes, he, he, they are cooking. Like, okay, guys, you're sleepy. I got your protein. I got your soup right here. Let's hey, go. You gotta Come get on. your energy up for round two. <laughs> gotta replenish their sexual fluids. Uh, I mean, Sven and Ben haven't even shown up yet. <laughs> I saw the big guy. He came like five times. We have to get him. <laughs> We have to get him some soup, the bone soup. No, need, they need the need marrow. Get him some hand soup. They're doing Sven Ole Thorson. Yeah, they need the marrow. Um, no, uh, Sven, to do a Sven, you need to keep it flat. It's like, Ooh, yes, Ar- Arnold, I was enjoying the hand soup. It was delicious. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> My master, he turned into a snake. It was cool. <laughs> um. But yeah, so this is like there's a lot of sneaking around in here. Uh, this is kind of a this was a fun scene. I, I thought it to be pretty fun and pretty pretty gory. Yeah, uh, it's it's like one of the high points of the movie. Uh, funny mm-hmm. enough, it's followed up by the other high like a- action high point of the movie. So in terms sure. of pacing, it's kind of curious actually. It's very back. It's bottom heavy, I guess is what you mm-hmm. call it. Um, but yeah, this this infiltration sequence, I I take that back. Uh, you're absolutely right. This this one does have some legitimate tension to it. Um, in fact, the the impetus for for when the fighting starts is Valeria, like, sees a guy who's in danger of finding them, basically. So mm-hmm. it's just like they didn't actually want to spring into action when they did. It was forced upon them. So it's it's a cool trigger point to the action because it's just like, oh, I guess we got to go loud. Didn't expect to, but now we gotta. Um, but yeah, the plan here is we're trying to get King Osric's daughter back, um, and we're trying to get to the top of this like orgy pyramid <laughs> to get to her. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, apparently Thulsa Doom's post orgy ritual is to turn himself into a snake. <laughs> He's got to suck his hands through his sleeves, uh, and then we get this uh, James Earl Jones puppet face, uh, yeah. where very clearly someone is taking a like an actual snake and just like ramming it into the inside of a James Earl Jones mask and pushing it out. Yeah. I, pu- I feel for that snake, man. But and then, um, and then he turns into Falcor for a second, the luck dragon from uh never ending story. He just, but it like, it like turns and looks at the camera, which is really funny. Um, but yeah, it turns into a snake and it goes off into the hole. And that's when the action kicks in. 
yeah um so our heroes spring into action Spotai, valeria and conan and uh there's some really cool squib work here where i i don't know that i've seen this elsewhere like like done this way where basically we're we're doing squibs but with swords so mm-hmm. like we're timing the sword strokes to like blood packets and people's waistbands and like in their masks and stuff so I say that's brilliant. That's why you have all these guys in masks because most of these guys are dispatched through neck slices. So we like you're hitting the the squib on the mask and just the blood's coming down. So it's really effective. Yeah, and then the battle music and the editing flows together really awesomely. Um, everybody moves pretty well. Like honestly, I think uh, Jerry Lopez probably moves the best between the three mm-hmm. of them. Like he's very swift. He his his movements were very clean. Arnold um, apparently had to drop a lot of weight. Uh, just to be in this movie <laughs> nick is yeah. uh nick is spotlighting the transformation sequence and yes. it's pretty much exactly oh as we described <laughs> yeah it's it's not <laughs> that's, that's the best snake the snake, hood, that's man. my favorite my favorite shot yeah well it's because he's still wearing the stupid oh. fucking hat yeah he's still wearing the hat <laughs> it's a snake wearing oh, a hello. hat <laughs> well, and he looks directly into hello the camera there. as if to say hello, hello there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, the action unfolds and uh, there is a depacketation here, although I think there was going to be one more because there's an awkward bit of choreography where uh, Arnold like eases a guy down to the floor and raises up his sword, but we don't see what happens after that. And it's like, oh man, sensors got to it. It's like there was going to be mm. another depacketation. Unfortunately, we didn't <laughs> get it. But then uh, no, <laughs> Milius is like, this is two hours long, but uh, I had another 30 minutes of just absolute madness that I was going to try to get in there. But they were oh. like, it's not going to happen. I forgot to mention it, but speaking of madness, apparently they built an animatronic uh, depacketated mom head. It was fully oh, really? articulated. It, its eyes and oh. tongue and tongue moved and had puppeteers assigned to it. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> it had raw. It had like a wiring, like cabling uh, hidden under the snow. So apparently there was a close up of her depacketated head moving after it was mm. severed. Uh, <laughs> absolute madman, as we said. Um, but anyway, the the goon squad is dispatched, and Sven and Ben uh, run in because they're the they're the heavies. They're Thulsa Doom's heavies, and we get we get a bit of action between uh, Arnie and them. Um, but this is just a prelude to the finale. And there's a fun mm-hmm. bit of comedy here where uh, Sven accidentally harms Ben. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, do yeah. You, either you want to describe what happens? I was going to say he hits the shit of a pillar, right, and it crashes down on top of him. Hmm. Yeah, yeah it, he right. basically knocks out his buddy on accident. <laughs> Ooh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sven, when he when he, when the dust settles, he has this really funny look. Of like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. It's really it's it's really funny. You should go find that find that look that he gives. Yeah, Nick, you should uh, definitely look that up because it, it is highly intentional. Like like well, the yes. editor and the director, they wanted to make fun of Sven in that moment, and they succeeded. Well, well that's what I want to know. What was the commentary for this whole thing? Because obviously it was purposeful. Like, what was the whole point of the story, or, or what? <laughs> no, no, no. Just this whole part of the weird orgy. The the human uh, cabbage soup, all oh, of it. Like, oh, I, I think what's what we're meant to be seeing here is that it, this is absolute confirmation that Thulsa Doom is bad. Oh, okay. Like, he, well, yes, he has a cult, but we've only seen the the public facing element of it. So this is behind the scenes. Like, oh, they're cannibals. Oh, they're eating people. Oh, they're banging with leopards in the room. That's probably not union safe. <laughs> but um, every Sunday after KFC, I don't know what you're talking about. That's what we do. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. 
but yeah, I, I think it's just meant to illustrate that like he is unambiguously evil. Like he is just not a good person. <laughs> so like any any potential for him maybe doing some good, no, he's he's terrible. He's got to go. Um, plus plus uh, you know orgy. Like like we said, <laughs> like it's just an excuse at the end of the day. Orgy, yeah. So uh, the boys get uh, they get the princess and they're running out, and uh, Vanessa is just back there by herself. She has to fight her way out. Uh, basically, <laughs> who is Vanessa? Valerie v- Valeria <laughs> Valentino, Richie that's Valen. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, she she has to kill a few dudes. Uh, they're pretty out of shape. She was gonna knock these dudes out pretty easily. Um, yeah, but they, they get on their horses and head out. But James Earl Jones, Tulsa Doom, is, uh, yeah, the snake, the, the snake bow and arrow. He turns a snake into an arrow and he shoots her with it. Boom, you did it. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what happened. Um, he does yeah. have to, he has to tell the snake to turn into an arrow, though. Yeah. Seek. Yes, yeah, oh, it's pretty badass. I, I mean, it's a, like to quote the director himself on the commentary, it's a sidewinder. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> it's fucking uh, terrible. It's a heat-seeking snake <laughs> missile. <laughs> He's sneaking snack. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So she fucking dies uh, a little bit later, and then they set her on fire, like you do, you know, like you do. Yeah, and then and then we get the bo- the booby traps, the booby trap sequence. Yeah, so they they set her alight on the funeral pyre so we're back at uh, Mako's place at the wizard's uh, locale um, and then yeah uh, we head into morning and uh, we get that pensive shot of Conan and they do have a uh, King Osric's daughter but she's tied to a rock uh, yeah. she is she is totally in Thulsa Doom's thrall she's, she doesn't want to go home basically she's got Stockholm syndrome yeah yeah totally 100% all in and uh, basically it's it's assumed like it's just known that we did we wronged Thulsa Doom, so he's coming. Uh, so what follows is a montage of everybody making booby traps and getting prepped for battle. Um, so it's going it's going to be two and a half because Mako's barely a participant, but it's basically two tough guys, uh, a guy who barely barely knows how to hold a spear, uh, let alone how to use it, um, versus the best of the best of Thulsa Doom's army. So holy mm-hmm. shit! Like in terms of like on paper, like selling me on on a scenario for like a finale for a movie, it's like yeah, that'll do it. I'm intrigued. I want to see how this plays out, and thankfully, uh, it plays out quite convincingly. Like it's actually choreographed really well. Um, I really love the sequence, but the the prelude to it is actually one of the more famous sequences um, in the film. Uh, is the uh, as the as the horses as the riders as the cavalry are coming to them uh arnold has that moment where he he finally talks to crom because he was like the movie began with him being told about who his god is and this is him actually like he i think the first line of it is like i i I don't pray to you i never have but shit's getting real so i think i'm gonna give it a shot (laughs) um but basically saying that like crom um, <laughs> Krom uh, respects battle and valor as a virtue um, so this act of two standing against many should count for something right so basically he's praying to Krom to grant him revenge but the, the most famous line is the like if you don't listen then to hell with you <laughs> it's like oh shit you just spit in Krom's fucking eye um, 
but yeah, guys, thoughts on this uh, this battle sequence here? I have one scene that literally just played in front of my eyes. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's his wizard friend. He awkwardly kills somebody. I remember it too. It was very awkward. He like stabs somebody with a spear, right? Or something. And he goes, I killed him with my spear and they all just like laugh about it right yeah 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 Yeah. because he's like 60 years old and like five foot four (laughs) like it's pretty funny yeah well and it's punctuated by like as soon as he stabs the guy he he falls down because it's an awkward struggle (laughs) and then he's he's weighed down with a bunch of armor and he looks like a turtle and like we get the shot of him like rolling around on his back, like like Filbert from from Rocco's Modern Life, just yeah. turtle on his back in the sun. Not good. Not good. <laughs> I killed him with my spear. Yeah, he, he's incredulous. He's just like I did not expect that to work out. And yeah, yeah uh, he actually saves Sabotai in that moment. And he's and all Sabotai doesn't. He's injured, by the way. And he's just like laughing in his face, just like, "Yep, that's how we do it, old man. That's how we kill people. That's how. That's people how we work. do it. <laughs> yeah, you mean you half expect him to high five him? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I think uh, Conan knocks out a few other dudes, but can we get to the Sven death? <laughs> yeah. So all the uh, all the nameless goons are dispatched, yeah. and they make use of the of the terrain because there's a bunch of these rock corridors that make it difficult for horses to get through. We have a bunch of uh, pikes and spears laid out for people to fall on and horses to get knocked over. There's a fantastic horse fall here where uh, Arnie, Arnie takes out the legs of big Ben's uh, horse and he goes fucking flying. And I love like almost every major gag in this sequence. Uh, the director himself on the commentary says, yeah, he got hurt. <laughs> like, like, like every time somebody takes, takes a nasty spill, he's just like, "Yeah, he got hurt." Yeah, him too. One, <laughs> one of the two ladies that jumped broke their leg. I don't yeah. know if it was the yeah. One of them definitely broke their leg. Yeah, and uh, one of the stunt coordinators, uh, he has the uh, <laughs> the black sheep esque roll down the hill, where it's just like. Um, apparently he got fucking destroyed doing that gag but yeah like literally every time someone falls down in this sequence the director just pauses and says yeah he got he got injured yeah him too and uh also valeria in that sequence with those two out of shape goons apparently she got her fucking finger almost chopped off so this whole this whole production was riddled with injuries and mishaps but um anyway the the nameless goons are dispatched by by all of our heroes. Uh, they're they're doing really well, um, and then uh, even the music shifts. Uh, the, like the pace of things slows down. It becomes more of like a stalking uh, situation as opposed to just like out outright chaos and mayhem. And uh, Sven uh, is making his way through the rocks, and he's got his giant fucking warhammer, and uh, he rounds a corner and he sees a helmet poking out from behind a rock. And he's just like. Sven smash like like this is simple math like I seize it I gotta smash it and he no, hits he, that helmet <laughs> well no he walks past it like oh he, he pretends like yeah, yeah. yeah he's like I mm. see you over there <laughs> and yeah and yeah <laughs> he smashes the helmet and it just immediately a booby trap it's like a second later this it's a sharpened log basically that is going at the speed of light <laughs> into this guy's torso. <laughs> into his, yeah. And, and it, it, 
penetrates his <laughs> chest. Just <laughs> he lets out a good, a good, uh, a good uh, gurgly scream. Um, but the I never really noticed the back of it. Did you like? They do a really good job of like making it look like it really went through him. And there's like goo and shit coming off the back, like out the back of him. It's really gross. Oh, it's beautiful. And then we get that yeah. moment where Arnold's like just looking at him cockeyed, like like a hor- like a like a dog, like puzzled, just like. Are you dead? Who are you? <laughs> no, it's like he set that trap up, and he didn't realize how good he did. So when he sees it, he's like, he's like, "Ooh, that hurts!" Yeah, it's didn't... a, it's a real damn, damn. <laughs> situation. <laughs> it's pretty, bad. it's great. Yeah, no, that would have been a good, a good Will Smith woo right there. It was like, ah, woo! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Earth. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, one of the most spectacular deaths on on Arnold's resume and Sven's for that matter. Um, in cinema, in cinema history, really, it's, it's pretty fantastic. Awesome. It's well yeah. executed. the the ed- The timing of the edits showing the mechanism because this is a mechanism. It's got pulleys, yeah. and levers, and and counterbalances and stuff. And yeah, like Kyle said, it whips into him at the speed of fucking light, and he is <laughs> impaled. He is impaled with a wood spike. And by the way, uh, that that nasty gurgling scream he lets out, um, I haven't confirmed it, but my ears tell me that they actually stole that for the Golden Axe video games, uh, which I don't know if either of you have played, but they're Sega uh, barbarian like beat 'em up games from from like the late '80s. Um, they also took Grace Jones uh, her battle cry from Conan the Destroyer, so they they're yeah, yeah! <laughs> like the. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the bia, if you will, <laughs> the Howard Dean bia, <laughs> or Zena. Zena has the same one. Yeah, well, that's more of a he 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 he. Or a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Howard, yeah, yeah, Howard right. Dean is the bia. The bia. <laughs> the day democracy died. <laughs> I have a buddy who still does that. I, he was. I was with him yesterday. He still does the bia. He goes bia. He, he did it twice. <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, but what I love about the death is that as Arnold's like admiring his own handiwork just in the background you see like all six foot seven of Big Ben with a sword over his head just like charging directly towards it's like how do you not hear him coming he's a fucking horse (laughs) Um, but what follows is uh, finally the long waited uh, conflict between the two of them and it just so happens that uh Ben Davidson's character Rexor, by the way, that is that is a fucking name. That's a He-Man name. Uh, he is brandishing Conan's father's sword, uh, his father's sword, if you will. Um, and it turns into a one-on-one contest between the two of them, sword to sword. And uh, Rexor is getting the upper hand, and then a curious thing happens. Um, someone else clashes swords with him from off-screen and saves Conan. And then uh, also smacks Rexor in the in the fucking face, and he's like wh- whipping his sword around, going, "Ah, I can't fucking see! Ah, my fucking eyes!" <laughs> <laughs> and then we do a cut uh, to Conan's POV, and we see Valeria uh, in like sparkling Valkyrie uh, garb, mm-hmm. and she she has her uh, catchphrase, "Do you want to live forever? Do you want to live forever?" And he doesn't reply. He's just like. Give me a minute. The fuck? <laughs> and then he turns around to go for his sword again. She's gone. And then, uh, surprise, surprise, he kills the fuck out of Rexor. It's a pretty glorious death unto itself, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, it's a series of chops and lots of bloodletting. 
Um, but yeah, he kills him, but he also breaks his father's sword um, while he's killing Rexor. But he does retrieve the broken uh, partial like fragment of it, um, which brings us to our finale um, mm-hmm. at the Mountain of Power. <laughs> yeah. So Thulsa Dune has figured out that the gig is up. Uh, he they are coming for him and he has got the tang laced with cyanide for everybody and he, <laughs> he is holding court and Arnold basically just like uh, like uh, just kind of walks up there like he gets up there no no issue really um, but he's just like but everyone's got a flames like you're gonna set yourselves on fire and you'll be in paradise and like he is about to murder uh, like I have a bunch of people kill themselves and it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not positive what the plan is here. I think it's either I want you all to set yourselves on fire, but the cool people, y'all go kill your parents. Okay. Before you set yourself on fire, the rest of you though, the rest of you boring people just, just set yourself on fire. But I think the plan here is that like, he's just hitting, he's hitting the gas on whatever agenda mm-hmm. he had um, to gain power across the land um, but yeah, he's standing at the at the mount, um, and Conan does infiltrate, and he just casually appears behind him in front of all of Tulsa Doom's followers, and we have this confrontation between the two that plays out in a curious fashion. Like I feel like again in 2022, this would be one of those scenes that we'd be punched up to some degree, like just you know made louder and and more energetic because this is. This is our finale. It's just a conversation, a one-sided conversation at that. And then it's not even a fight. It's just like Conan does the deed. Um, but uh, Thulsa Doom tries his trickery of hip hypmotizing him um, by staring into his eyes and uh, referring to him as his son, um, which does have some logic behind it, I guess, where it's like, I... I he, he he's of the mind that he made Conan to some extent. His father's long expired, so he's like, these days I guess that would qualify me as your father because I'm the person who fostered you and, and made you the person you are today. Um, but it doesn't work. Conan just kind of like spaces out. He probably was like super super high or something when he showed up, so it didn't work. <laughs> well, Thulsa Doom is also like fresh out of beefcakes, and this is a prized beefcake to have in your arsenal. So yeah, I'd be playing the sun angle too. It's like no, 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 no. I did kill your parents, but I'm yo soy tu papa. So like, <laughs> I, I'm your father now. Look at me. I'm your father now. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yes, the, this um, one of the, I, I think my favorite. This is going to sound weird out of context. Hopefully, nobody pulls this out. It's one of my favorite film decapitations. Um, <laughs> Nick Nick sent me a te- text one day, and he's just like, "Quote from you in the podcast. I like tasteful child death." I'm like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> if you take that out of context, it sounds like I'm a maniac. But you're talking about in a movie. Uh, but no, uh, 30 Days of Night has a brutal decapitation. Uh, but this one's awesome. And we have to remember, too, is that he's told them that he is basically immortal. And we have some dudes coming up and just murking him. Yeah, I, I think the impact of it comes from the like the, the choreography of it, where it's not clean. Like it, it's mm-hmm. ugly. It's brutal. Yeah. Basically, to break the trance, Arnold like just kind of like locks eyes with him and he's like, Oh wait, you're not my father. And then he whacks him with his with his his own father's broken sword. And it's probably blunted and it's 
broken, so it's not the sharp part of the sword. It's just a hunk <laughs> of metal. And he whacks him in the throat, which is somewhat symbolic in that that's largely been the source of his power throughout the entire movie is his, his voice. Mm. Um, so he's like gurgling and choking on his own blood. And we do get a funny James Earl Jones puppet head here when he gets hit initially. Mm-hmm. It's very clearly a puppet head, but it's, it's pretty cool. But yeah. um, it takes a few more strokes. It's not, it's not just a one and done. It's like he has to hack away at this thing in order to get it off. It's three. Yeah, it, he has to chop that done. He has to chop it down. And that's what yeah. that's where some of the impact comes from. Um, and yeah, but, and what's more, that what follows is fucking brilliant. Where he's just like, "Hey, look at this head I just took," <laughs> and then he throws, it, he throws it. it. Clunk, 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 clunk! It clunks down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, again, there's nine year old me just sitting in my grandparents' <laughs> trailer, watching a man get decapitated, and uh, yeah. Just clum, 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 the day clum, Kyle clum. fell in love with cinema, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> watching that head roll down the stairs. Uh, it's pretty yeah. great. It's spectacular, yeah. in fact. Well, also with every uh, every time he's hitting his neck, the crowd is oh, <laughs> 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 they're, they're in it with it. <laughs> and then we get a few screams, and then yeah, and then he tosses the head down. Like, ah! Yeah, it's. I mean, it'd be pretty crazy to see just anybody get their head chopped off at, like in this kind of situation. But yeah, yeah and, now they're and and we're we're laughing a lot, but it is important to note that like the the general atmosphere of this movie when it's not trying to make you laugh is generally pretty serious. Like it it has like an epic like mythic quality to the way the story is being presented here, and I think it's very tasteful the way like after Thulsa Doom's depacketed, everybody just like the party's over. Just like yeah, everybody, yeah, like the spell yeah. is broken. They're all just like, well, what now? And it's like they, they all just toss their 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 candles into this pool of water and presumably fuck off home for where, for where <laughs> they off. came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, basically, is what Conan tells them. <laughs> it would have been really powerful if he just would have dropped the sword and just taken a piss on the steps. Like, like that's how much this mattered to him. Like, I mean, if this was directed by Quentin Tarantino, maybe <laughs> like, like that's but, how that would go. On paper, if you were to describe this, it's like John Millie, uh, John Millius uh, directs a uh, um, a sword movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger in the eighties. You're like, that sounds like it's going to be pretty stupid. Uh, it, it still actually really holds up. There obviously are some goofy moments, but I think because the dedication to the tone. Uh, because like they just stuck with it, like this is going to be brutal. Um, I think it holds up because of that, because they they did have the money to spend and actually make this look good at the time, and it still does look pretty good. Yeah, no, it it does. Like it helps having one of the foremost production designers of the era, like designing your sets and your costumes and whatnot. The music aids it immensely. This movie would mm-hmm. not be half as good if like it would be nothing basically it wouldn't be memorable at all if it didn't have the soundtrack it did um but yeah it's it's curious in how in how serious they take it go ahead Kyle. i was gonna say i completely agree um this is like i said this was a movie where i definitely noticed the soundtrack but you're 100 percent right the soundtrack is the backbone of this movie yeah well it's it's what i say about batman returns also it's like it has that operatic quality to it where if you just sit down and listen to the score in isolation you can kind of picture the movie in your head um Mm -hmm. and this this movie has so many long stretches without dialogue that it even more so it's amplified but 
um, yeah, the, t- the tone really does make it stand out from the crowd in a lot of ways, even its own sequel, because Conan the Destroyer, as we said, is uh, somewhat dumbed down. Uh, it's more energetic. It's more colorful. It's definitely meant for a younger audience. In fact, I think it was rated PG uh, when it came out, which should not have been, uh, especially considering how violent it gets in its final act. That fight well, with that, him and Kareem that, Abdul-Jabbar is pretty fucking gnarly. And then the day the dagger. Will, it was Wilt Wilt the Stilt. Yeah, Wilt the um, Stilt. Yeah, and that dildo monster at the end, that thing is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredibly gory. Like, it's very, very, very violent. Um, And I think Sarah Douglas gets impaled in that sequence on top of that. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, she does. (laughs) Future review, maybe. (laughs) But, but yeah, it's, it's a curious movie. Uh, It, it it really is kind of one of a kind in, in some ways. And it very much, has its creator's fingerprints all over it like this is a john milius production like i said from from a thematic standpoint there's a lot of stuff here that as far as i know he actually wasn't familiar with the character at all but when he when he heard the pitch and he read the script that that oliver stone had written he was like yeah i, I can, can get this. down with, I, can, I can fuck with this yeah like like there's so much in there that like even the speech with with crom and whatnot where it's just like the the character of Conan when he's crucified, that that sequence where he's chewing on the 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 buzzard, that's like him spitting in the face of the gods and and fate, and f- like creating his own fate essentially. Um, so Conan is is the master of his own destiny is is basically the thesis where it's like you have all these influences and all these spiritual entities or whatever that. The rest of the people, the the people lesser than Conan, like defer to or bow to, and then you have Conan who's just like, no, I do my own thing. So stuff like that really does jive with what Milius is all about. But yeah, our film does end with a uh, him burning down the mountain of power. By the way, he does that, just that hammer throw with the with the torch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I uh, I think we very quickly just go to the ending image of him as an old king sitting on the yeah. throne. It's what the, that thing's like, awesome. I hope he has that up in. I hope that is a real painting, and I hope he has that up in his house somewhere. It's not actually awesome. a painting. Uh, it's a. It's a. It's him actually sitting on a set with like smoke machines behind him. Oh, really? Yeah. It, I never. It looks painterly, but it's actually just him in a costume. Um, it. It's a good foundation for a painting. Someone should definitely make a painting of this. It exists, like, I'm sure. Like a like a Vigo from a Ghostbusters 2 style painting or something. Yeah. Um, but then we get a closing narration, like an epilogue saying that Conan did the thing. He brought the girl back to her dad. And then uh, down the line, he would get his own kingdom. But that's a story for another time. And that would, yeah, that would transition us to the, the sequel. And then, as I said, this was initially thought of, conceived of as a trilogy. Uh, Milius wanted to be involved with all of them, but he did not return for even the sequel. And then we never got a third one. Instead, we got a Jason Momoa 2011 uh, movie that, you know, Jason Momoa really does try. Like he, he showed the fuck up for that role. Um, but that movie has very little to offer other than some decent sword play and Jason Momoa making cool poses and faces and stuff. I haven't seen it all the way through, but I do remember the sex scene being gratuitous. Like I do remember that. Like, did you see the second 300 movie? Yes. Whoa. 
<laughs> dude there are boobs are bouncing and slamming all over in well, that that's, sex scene that's like, ava green it was she I probably know, I... she probably insisted <laughs> like, yeah. she she's naked in more of her movies than not like that's just it's like harvey keitel <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah any uh closing thoughts on this one guys uh, you know, I, I would just say that it it's always been my playground movie where I would tell my friends of elementary school, hey, I watched this great movie of, of adventure and action and swords and blood. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I still think to this day, they probably have not seen this movie, but it is so much fun. Uh, till this day, it's still so much fun. And um I still like it. I don't care what anybody says. I still like this movie. Yeah, it's still one of my top Arnold movies because uh, he had quite a few stinkers in the 90s uh, and the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this is like, this is still, this is really good. This is Arnold before he was even really Arnold. Like, this is yeah. before Terminator. So uh, I think this is probably his first good movie. Yeah, it may very well be. It's definitely like his first major studio movie. And uh, yeah, it kind of launched his career internationally as an actor anyway. Um, <laughs> it's still real to the, the Kyle and Nick brothers. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. still awesome. <laughs> no, I, I quite enjoy this movie as well. I do think it's probably a, a tough sell, uh, especially to younger folks, maybe. Um, yeah, because it does yeah. have such long stretches where nobody's talking and, and it just it's a vibe movie where mm-hmm. if, if you're not on board with that and maybe you grew up with different expectations as as to what an Arnold movie is supposed to be. I could see that being trying like that, like that could really bore some people that maybe aren't on board with that. But I I really like it. Like I um actually got a DVD gifted to me when I was in high school from a friend of mine because uh uh, he really loves the soundtrack. In fact, he he purchased the CD version of of the soundtrack for both this and Destroyer. And when I told him I hadn't seen the movie, he was just like, "Well, I'm just gonna give this to you, and you're gonna watch it." And I loved it. It was great. And it's a two pack actually. It has Destroyer. It's a it's one of those curious DVDs that you have to flip over. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I really enjoy this one, and I actually. I think Destroyer is fun too. Some people shit all oh, over. Yeah. It. I think it's. I think it's fine. It, it is not the same movie at all. Is no. It? it is a different flavor of movie. It is dumb fantasy, yeah. uh, but but it is pretty fun. And it does have some comedic beats that actually do land pretty well. Like we get drunk Arnold in that one, <laughs> and I always love drunk Arnold. <laughs> but but yeah, Conan the Barbarian is definitely worth your time if 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 you can get past like maybe some of its slower bits, like, um, but anyway, uh, thanks so much for joining us, Nick. I really appreciate yeah. uh, you bringing your yeah. enthusiasm for this one. No problem. Yeah. Always glad to have you and you're always welcome back. So, uh, just, just give us a poke anytime you have something else you're anxious to talk about. Uh, no, don't not through the webcam. <laughs> <laughs> Put your pants back on, Nick. Jesus. <laughs> um, Nick, put your pants back on. Sorry. <laughs> you haven't heard it, folks, but I, I've had to cut it out like six times, but like it's been happening repeatedly throughout, yeah. this, throughout yeah. this entire episode. This is the most edited episode ever. Yeah. yeah. All those awkward laughs you've been hearing are Kyle and I just being like, oh, God, I hope he puts this back on. <laughs> I feel attacked. This isn't right. <laughs> 
<laughs> Seriously, though. love having you on the show, Nick. Thanks for showing up. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, folks at home, if you'd like to catch up on any of our catching up on cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias at catching up on cinema on the Instagram and catching cinema at Twitter. Uh, so feel free to hit me up at either of those. And uh, the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google it. That being um. said, <laughs> thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Guys, let me just say, I love doing this. I know I drank too much, but that's why <laughs> I... <laughs>